Rudy, if you can let me know if you hear this, would really appreciate it. of the Fred Hampton and his suites. Well, we're going to talk about art. And we're going to talk about what, what is one of my favorite albums from one of my favorite artists of all time. Uh, the album Black Messiah by D'Angelo. So let's just, uh, we have a lot to get through. <laughs> so let's just go with it. Um, this whole episode is inspired by a, a conversation I had on here, uh, in part with uh, one of the users uh, who I see below. What's up, Schnarf? And just in general, I, I think it's a good conversation to have. And that is basically what is a one, what's the utility of art in any kind of revolutionary movement? Is there a utility to it? What's the whole point? Should we even give a shit? Um, spoiler alert, we should. And I'm going to start this by saying that some, uh, you know, art, art is weird. There are these artists who are completely self-aware. Uh, a lot of them are very grounded and a lot of them can tell you exactly what they mean by their art exactly what they intend to convey, the exact meaning behind it. But there are other artists and there's other art, which is just, it's different. It seems almost disconnected from reality. Uh, you know, someone like Kanye will babble on nonsensically, like, you know, like a madman and then throw an album down. That's incredible. Uh, there are other artists who don't say much at all. They're not, very much in the public eye, but when they work and when they finish a piece of art, it transcends the boundaries of what we thought of human creativity. Um, and it conveys things, art can convey things that are deeper and more meaningful than what can be f conveyed from language alone. Uh, you know, all words have meaning, but you can't always get the vibes right with the words. You can't always capture what the spirit is feeling, what the heart is feeling. There's a reason why when we go through breakups, we put on our favorite sad songs and sit in the dark. And we don't want people to necessarily talk to us about it, right? It's what we're feeling is better articulated by those songs a lot of the times than what we could just say with words. Good, got it, moving on. Uh, but it's the second group of artists, these people who seem to just snatch art out of the ether, just like completely out of the air. 
who I am more fascinated with. Uh, they remind me of the muses from Greek mythology. Uh, for those of you who don't know, the muses were uh, the daughters of Zeus. Uh, they were goddesses who were said to preside over human inspiration in the science and the arts. And when we hear a sound or music or something that is otherworldly, that that is so outside of what's the established norm that it can inspire us in ways that we we didn't we couldn't even conceive before. Uh, I like to think of that art being snatched from the muses or inspired by the muses because it is so otherworldly, right? And when we experience art like this, art that challenges our own boundaries of understanding, it causes us to rethink and reinterpret our own world and our own condition, it can have a radicalizing effect. And you can rouse people to action with a stirring speech, sure, but you can't shift people's souls in the same way that you can with art. So that's the backdrop. To me, D'Angelo is one of these artists who snatches nectar from the gods, who snatches inspiration from the muses, and who can shift people's souls, if you listen to him. Uh, he's just different. He's just different. He's always been different. The music he makes almost always defines his era. And those are the, the R&B and, and his genres. So R&B, uh, you know, rhythm and blues and, and neo-soul. And, and the number of artists that he's influenced is immeasurable. Uh, today, you can hear his influence of people like Daniel Caesar or her. Uh, a lot of new school artists. Uh, a little backdrop on D'Angelo. He came onto the scene in the 90s. He's from Virginia, raised in the church. Uh, a multi-instrumentalist, began as a keyboard player uh, and a singer. And when he dropped his first album, Brown Sugar, now this was a time when, this is the mid-90s. So this is a, a period of time when R&B is kind of uh, dominated by artists who are, they use a lot of drum loops. They use a lot of electronic uh, and, and digital instruments. Uh, stuff like Boys to Men, uh, very soft stuff. It's good, don't get me wrong. Boys to Men, Brian McKnight, uh, they're kind of dominating this era of R&B. And D'Angelo comes onto the scene and drops the Brown Sugar album. And I'll play just a little bit of one of the tracks on that album because it's so fucking different than what was actually being played in those circles at the time. Uh, let me pull up the song right now. I'm trying to do the, okay, here we go. All right, and just let me know, make sure that you can hear this. So this is, again, this is an era that's being dominated by groups like Boys to Men, and D'Angelo comes out of nowhere uh, with this track. Here we go. Uh, this is so ghetto, dude. <laughs> okay, here we go. Uh, that sound okay? Yeah. 
Can y'all hear that? So D'Angelo comes onto the scene with this, and if you're paying any attention, instantly the music is much more fuckable. Just completely, there's a groove to it. There's funk to it. There's like a stank. There's a Virginia stank to the music that he's been able to put in there. A backbeat, a little bit more laid back. He's still talking about love, what he wants. Hey, baby, how you doing? I want some more brown sugar. But the vocals, very sweet, very light on top of all of this going on. And the instruments, he's bringing back people, the whole band, right? Oregon starts it off. Boom, 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 ba-dum, ba-dum, boom. Uh, so it, it's, he has this sound that other people just don't have. And, and he's working a lot with some really great artists. He's working with Raphael Sadiq, who if you don't know, look him up. Raphael Sadiq is the shit from Tony, Tony, Tony. Uh, he is one of the greatest songwriters alive. He's still kicking. He, he slaps, okay? He slaps. And some of the stuff that he's doing with D'Angelo at this time is really fucking disgusting. It's disgusting. It's funkier, grittier, greasier than any of the R&B at the time. And... D'Angelo sort of continues this, but where D'Angelo really blows up and what we need to establish before we even get into Black Messiah is D'Angelo's second album, five years later in 2000. It's a little album called Voodoo. Uh, this album was revolutionary at the time. It remains revolutionary today. Okay, this would be like Prince's Purple Rain. Um, and it's, it's not revolutionary for its content, right? And that's one thing about D'Angelo at this time, at least with the Brown Sugar album and with Voodoo, he's not talking too much about, uh, you know, revolution or uh, dialectical materialism or any of that shit, right? He's not talking politics. He's talking, uh, you know, love and, 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 and relationships and other shit. The, the kind of same subject matter that you would see in R&B, but he is doing it in a different way. Um, this voodoo album is, is, it's really a triumph. It's equal parts soul, funk, blues, and, and just straight up chicken grease. Okay, it's, it's, it is, it's as close to a perfect album as I have ever heard. And it's one of the blackest albums of all time. I don't know how else to describe it. It's just, it is unapologetically just, it's, it's got the bones in it, okay? It, he put his foot into it. All right. It's, it is, it is, you, you got to listen to it and we'll listen to parts of it, but there, there's this concept that musicians talk about a lot, uh, especially nowadays in, in certain circles, but it's the concept of the pocket, right? You, you establish something called a pocket to your music. Now the term, if I'm trying to define what the pocket is, right? It refers to like musical timing and tempo and groove 
when all the musicians are sort of locked into the tempo so as to establish like a heartbeat to the music. When you're all there together. Um, when they're when when the when the musicians are locked in to that heartbeat, that it so locked in that it becomes internal. I, I would say they're playing in the pocket. So if you're at a show and every musician on stage is making a stank face, if they're going like, if they're doing some of that shit, they're probably in the pocket. Okay, um, the Voodoo album lives in the pocket of the pocket. It is so goddamn smooth and funky that it's almost impossible to, I don't know how they did it. It's, it's incredible. Uh, and it was unlike any other album at the time. And one thing that's very iconic about the Voodoo album is it, it, it uses a drum beat, which is, it occasionally drags behind the beat, the on-beat tempo. Uh, so every song has a tempo. It's basically the heartbeat of the song, right? But, but it's the steady sort of thump, thump, thump that keeps all of the musicians locked in and playing together. And typically you want this heartbeat to be steady. You want that tempo to be steady, predictable, and always on time, like a metronome. But D'Angelo in his Voodoo album said, fuck that. Uh, he wants some of his songs to be played behind the beat. And uh, Questlove, actually, the drummer Questlove of um, uh, The Roots, was the session drummer. So played played the tracks on the Voodoo album, the drum tracks. And I want to read, or I want to play a little clip of him, uh, what he had to say about just having to play behind the drum track, uh, how awkward this was, and how, how different this was for him. So we'll, we'll go with that. This is Questlove. You know, by the time that D'Angelo and I started the Voodoo record, which was like mid '96, um, that was the hardest thing ever because he constantly, like, he wanted me to drag the beat, but then he dragged the beat behind me, and so now I got to program my mind to think, okay, this is the metronome, and now he wants me to play. Which is, you know, I, I started having issues like, well, what if other drummers, like the musician community is going to laugh at me? And he's like, nah, man, trust me, like, use the force. That's, he's using all these Star Wars analogies with me, like, use the force, man. And I've never seen Star Wars. So, well, then how? So that's um, Questlove talking about how awkward it is to play behind the beat. But what happens? What happens when you actually play behind the beat like that? What happens when you listen to D'Angelo? Um, I'm going to play the beginning of a track off the Voodoo record. This is called The Root. And I think the answer to what happens here is magic. Now take a listen. Really listen to where the beat is. And listen to how the drums, the hi-hat, and the kick occasionally go behind the beat to give it a dragging sort of feeling. Okay. So this is the beginning of the root uh, off the Voodoo album. Mm -hmm. 
You hear that? You got your stank face on yet? You stanking? Mm. smell like cheese. It is stinky. It is disgusting, but it's good. It's good. Okay. It is, it is, it is, it is innovative. It's different. And you could see how playing with that different time signature, playing with the musicianship and telling these musicians to kind of expand outside of the confines of what music was supposed to be at the time, creates something more meaningful create something that is that you can't help but feel and that's art that's art and and the whole album is worth a listen to again that was the root just part of it i'm telling you that whole fucking voodoo album is fire um one of my favorites and it's the album that propelled d'angelo into superstardom but really what propelled d'angelo into superstardom more than anything on this album is one track in particular. And um, the ladies who are around already know what I'm talking about. <laughs> uh, the, the song is called Untitled. Untitled, parenthesis, how does it feel? And it's quite possibly, scientifically, the sexiest fucking song ever created. It is, holy shit. Um, I'm not joking. The song starts off with this delicious like bass and drum entrance that it's just nasty. It's just fucking nasty. It sounds like and feels like fucking. I don't know how else to describe it. It's dirty, but it's intimate, okay? And the music video, thank you, Dr. No-No, you are correct. But if you see Dr. No-No getting thirsty as fuck in the chat, that is because this music video is do yourself a favor and look it up. D'Angelo, Untitled, How Does It Feel? Look up the music video. It's just D'Angelo, shirt off, abs out, and I swear to God, the most perfect dick V. The V that leads to your dick, the most perfect, you know, the part that connects your fucking, your abs, to your legs, that little V there, the most perfect dick V you've ever seen in your whole fucking life. And he's looking directly into the camera, singing directly to you in this music video, his brown eyes and perfect dick V staring you directly in the face. And the lyrics are, we'll play the song for, you know what? We'll, the lyrics, we'll talk about the lyrics a little bit and then I'll play you a bit of the song. And again, we're not even on the Black Messiah album yet. Okay, this is still voodoo. Uh, the lyrics are so sexual and sensual, but they're also super vulnerable and caring and dare I say, feminist. This is, I'll read you, read you some of it. You know what, I don't wanna fuck it up. We're gonna play it first and then maybe we'll read some of these lyrics out, but I'm gonna play some of just Untitled. Because uh, I'll do the radio edit. Wish I could show you all the video. But then, you know, 
I would be sued for making everyone here come. Everyone who I'm dead serious. It is a it's the sexiest fucking video that ever existed. Let's just play a little bit of uh, D'Angelo's untitled "How Does It Feel" from again the Voodoo album. gentlemen ladies and gentlemen it feels like fucking it feels uh, listen to that like the like you can convey so much more through that than by telling someone hey you look good i want you to feel good let's have sex yeah uh, uh, incredible incredible what it's able to convey but here's what here's what's wild about this right is the lyrics are good too the lyrics are fucking good to this. I don't know when the last time you did like a deep dive on fucking Untitled, but let me read some of this. Girl, it's all on you. Have it your way. And if you want, you can decide. And if you'll have me, I can provide everything that you desire. Already, holy fuck. This guy's got game. Damn, he's really about my pleasure? He's really coming for me? Okay. If you get a feeling, feeling that I'm feeling, won't you come closer to me, baby? Girl, you already got me right where you want me, baby. I just want to be your man. Whoa. Already like, damn, that's a mood. That's a fucking vibe. And then the chorus, the refrain, how does it feel? He is checking in. This dude wants to know how he's making you feel. That's good. This is, they should put this in sex ed. He's checking in, baby. How does it feel? How does it feel? How does it feel? Ooh, nasty, right? 
I got to read a couple more lyrics and I swear we'll get on. But in the second verse, uh, he just says, I want to stop playing all the silly little games you and me play. And I'm feeling right on. If you feel the same way, baby, let me know right away. I'd love to make you wet in between your thighs because I love when it comes inside you. I get so excited when I'm around you, baby. Whoa, oh, 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 how does it get the fuck out? Like this man is going to fuck the shit out of you. And then he's taking you straight to Snuggle City, baby. You're going straight to Snuggle Town right after. And and I think it's important at the time because really you had two camps in music at this period of time, right? Whenever you talk about sex and sexuality, you have the like, you have the upcoming people who we weren't quite at like the bitches ain't shit, but hoes and tricks, but we kind of were. Uh, I guess we were there. We were there, Snoop Dogg and everything. But this, this idea of sex as this dominant act was on one side of like music. And then you have R&B niggas who was just kind of like, I'm just gonna hold your hand, baby, and hold your hand, right? Which is nice. I love it. Thank you. I love it when you hold my hand. But to to make a song so bold that is both like vulnerable and and intimate and also dirty is like, whoa. Remember, this this is an album coming out during the same time when when like boys to men are singing. I'll make love to you like you want me to. And now, you know, yes, erotic. That's what it is. Thank you, Rika. The word is erotic. It is erotic. Okay, this song, untitled, is erotic. But it's not like vulgar, really. It's not like, it's not like fucked up. It's such a healthy, like, sexual song. It's fucking wild to look back on now because he's he's ahead of his time. Again, this was a revolutionary album, a re- revolutionary track off of it. But talking about this album, there wasn't much about actual revolution on it. In fact, you, there's not really anything political on this album, right? He He's challenging the musical conventions at the time, and he's creating something new. And look, the act of creation itself, never forget that the act of creation is in itself revolutionary. You are creating something, especially to the degree that you're creating things outside the bounds of whatever restrictions society is supposed to put upon it, right? Um, or anything, creation itself is like the antithesis of, of mindless consumption, which is what capitalism eventually wants everyone to be, right? Is buy this product, get this thing. You will be fulfilled if you consume. That's not how it works, right? Fulfillment comes from taking those parts of yourself and letting them out, expressing it, creation. Capitalism can't do that. It needs you to buy something for it. So revolutionary album in the sense that, yes, it's it's creative work that is challenging the bounds at the time. But um, politically, this album didn't say too much. The Voodoo album didn't say too much. Brown Sugar didn't say too much. And, you know, D'Angelo's a neo-soul artist. He talks about love. He talks about relationships. He talks about, uh, there's always a lot of depth in his lyrics, as you just heard, but there's nothing really about oppression. And, and there's nothing really political on voodoo with one 
possible exception, maybe two if you count the line, but one possible exception. And uh, that song is, okay, so Untitled, the song you just heard, is the penultimate song on the Voodoo album, second to last. The last track is called Africa. And every song on that album is my favorite, but this might be my favorite song on the album. And I'm going to play just a little bit of the beginning of Africa. D'Angelo apparently wrote this song for his son. And it sounds like that too. It's, it's a lovely tune. It utilizes some hand drums to get the beat and the rhythm. Uh, very mellow vocal tones, almost like a lullaby, and a melodic uh, like music box type of keyboard, which is also reminiscent of like uh, these lullabies or these kids songs, you know, Twinkle Twinkle Little Star and everything. It's very similar in the instrument that's being played here. Um, but I'll play just the very beginning of, of Africa, since this is already going to run long anyway, and you you're here for a lecture today. So here's, here's Africa, um, just the beginning of it. gentle, right? Very, very, uh, someone says lulling. That's, that's correct. And I want to speak about that lyric, because that lyric, again, this is Africa by D'Angelo. That's about as political as it gets on this album. If you didn't hear, it may have been light. What he says there is Africa is my descent and here I am far from home. I dwell within a land that's meant, meant for many men, not my tone. And that's about as political as it gets on voodoo folks beautiful lyric but again d'angelo is not very political so what kind of revolution is going to be caused by this art well musical revolution a lot of people start uh really are inspired by this album they continue to be to this day they're making a lot of different music uh they're opening up the bounds of what r&b and neo soul can be 
I don't think you'll get groups. Um, if, if I'm being frank, I don't think you'll get uh, artists like Solange to do some of the shit that she's done without this album, um, without Voodoo. And maybe another time we can talk about A Seat at the Table with Solange, because holy shit, that is a fucking album too. That's a great album. But what happens? Um, what happens after D'Angelo releases Voodoo? Well, uh, after creating what is arguably the greatest neo-soul album of all time, uh, D'Angelo struggled. He struggled. He, you see, his album was, it was definitely critically praised. People loved it, but for the music alone, they loved it. And he was seen as the heir apparent for the throne of, uh, you know, whatever throne the R&B king gets or the neo-soul king gets. Uh, but with his commercial success, he also started to get pressure in his career that he hadn't had before, specifically from the untitled song, How Does It Feel? Uh, that song was such a huge hit and it was so goddamn sexy that it turned him into a sex symbol overnight, literally overnight. It was, if you were around when the song was released, you'll probably remember seeing it on MTV on other things. Uh, my sister's first crush (laughs) is that music video. Uh, it's, it's. I mean, and, and look, if you watch the music video, again, it's basically like a real life try not to come challenge. Um, so it makes sense that he would become a sex symbol overnight. But his status as a sex symbol began to overshadow his talent as a musician and a composer. Uh, he started getting pressure from his record company on tours and everything to, to play up the sex symbol aspect. His sexuality was now the most commodified part about him. Because that's what sold, baby. The sex was what's really sold. And he's feeling all this pressure for the first time. Are people not even taking his album seriously? Are they not taking his art seriously? And when you're going on tour, uh, you would think, yeah, there's a lot worse things than being a sex symbol. But when people don't see you and they only see your body, um, they only see they see it as a piece of meat, right? Uh, that can have an effect. And it started to have an effect on his psychology. And within that year or two, he began retreating from public life. Uh, eventually his record label dropped him. He was signed with a different one. Uh, he had a close friend commit suicide and he struggled with alcoholism. And he became basically a ghost. D'Angelo was, uh, took the same sort of route in some ways as, as, as Lauren Hill, who again was one of his contemporaries and they have a great song together. Um, nothing matters or nothing but you. I think it's nothing even matters, uh, which is great. Great little duet. Uh, but here are these people who are defining their music, their eras of music, uh, who are also legitimate musicians, like composers in their own right, people who are actually defining their eras with their albums. And they retreat. And D'Angelo retreats. And we don't hear really anything from D'Angelo for goddamn near 15 years. It was 14 and a half, 14 and three quarters of a year. 
the sexiest man in the world suddenly retreats and he's just gone. And <laughs> again, 2000s when that album Voodoo comes out, we don't hear anything for him for 14 years. And um, suddenly in December of 2014, uh, we hear from him again. He drops an album called Black Messiah. And here's the first track. I'll just play you a bit. The song's called Ain't That Easy. That's Ain't That Easy from D'Angelo's Black Messiah album, the first track on that album. And what's important, I don't know if you if you realized it, the sound is completely different. There's parts of it that are that are similar. There's still the groove, there's still the grittiness, there's still the chicken grease that's in there. But he's playing guitar. It's a lot more funky. It is He's, it is a different, if you, if you put it this way, if the last D'Angelo song you had heard was untitled, and then 15 years later, you know, after hearing, how does it feel, how does it feel, baby, now, you hear, wow, 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 from me, and a dream inside, with all this weird, like, crunch, and like wet guitars and bass line that's just like fucking bumping. But like you heard that, it would be pretty radical. It's a pretty radical change in the sound. And it shows, you know, during those 14 years, he's developing as an artist. And it's a statement to come out with your new album, Black Messiah, and have that as your first track. Um, it's a statement. It's there's and, and if you read the lyrics to Ain't That Easy, um, ever hit with a choice that you can't decide, direction left or right, shut your mouth off and focus on what you feel inside. See, y'all know I'm going to go with my vibe. Is he talking to us? Who is he talking to with this, right? You can look at it and say, 
this idea of him having had become a sex symbol, having had been commodified, having these different places, directions, where do I go, left or right? And then, see, y'all know I'm just going to go with my vibe. It's almost a statement, right? I think maybe I'm reading too much into it. But the more I think about it, I think it's a statement. I think this is him saying, look, this is me reclaiming my shit and get on board. You can't leave me. It ain't that easy. You can't walk away when you when I want you to stay. That's like, it, 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 there's parts of this that work as a love song. There are other parts that really work as like, he's talking directly to the people who are listening to this album. And the reason I think this is because the next fucking track on this album is so goddamn bonkers. It's so fucking insane. So unlike anything that D'Angelo has ever done before. And so fucking raw that it makes sense that he would want to prepare you for it. I'm just going to play the beginning of it. This track, again, off, off of D'Angelo's Black Messiah album, this is my favorite song. And I'm going to say that a lot because literally every song on this album is goddamn near my favorite song. This is 1,000 Deaths, okay? From the guy who made How Does It Feel. But Jesus, when I say Jesus, I'm not talking about some a big what the fuck who what d'angelo what is this okay first let's let's talk about some of the stuff that was going on in the very beginning of that song first again this is 1000 deaths the song is called 1000 deaths it's on the black messiah album it's the second track you heard someone speaking in the beginning that's a guy named uh khalid abdul muhammad Khalil Abdul or Khalid Abdul Muhammad is one of the um, he was a preacher in the nation of Islam uh, of the Church of Islam. Uh, he was a protege of Louis Farrakhan, the minister Louis Farrakhan. Uh, I don't we don't need to go into a whole history of the minister Louis Farrakhan or what he's meant, both good 
and I, I you know, maybe it's because I'm black, but I think that there's a lot of shit that he says, like the anti-imperialist shit, the anti-American shit. It's pretty hard to disagree with the guy. He's pretty spot on in a lot of what he said with that. Um, but I know he's had his problems or whatever. But like this, remember, this is an R&B singer who was not political, who begins his second track of an album called Black Messiah with Khalid Abdul Muhammad, with a protege of, uh, of, of, of uh, again, Louis Farrakhan. And I think the, I want to read you some of what that speech was, okay? Um, and that's correct, Sharf. He was of the Fruit of Islam. He's got a lot of speeches, a lot of stuff online that you can look at too. Uh, Khalid Abdul Muhammad. I would suggest looking at it. Get, get a feel for the guy. But this is what the album, this is what this, the first line, okay? When Jesus, when I say Jesus, I'm not talking about some blonde-haired, blue-eyed, pale-skinned, cracker Christ, or, or buttermilk complexion cracker Christ. I'm talking about the Jesus of the Bible with hair like lamb's wool. I'm talking about that good hair. I'm talking about that nappy hair, that his body would be like Byron. Another scripture said his body would be like Jasper. Another scripture said his body would be like fine brass, as though it had been burned in the oven. Hello? Who the fuck? What happened, D'Angelo? What happened? Where, where were you in those 14 years, bruh? Because goddamn, you come hard. And if you noticed, another voice gets on, another recording gets on in the beginning of that song, too. Guess who it is? The brother Fred Hampton. It's Fred Hampton, okay? And Fred Hampton says this, okay? Black people need some peace. White people need some peace. And we are going to fight, have to fight. We're going to have to struggle. We're going to have to struggle relentlessly to bring about some peace because the people that were asking for peace, they're a bunch of megalomaniac warmongers. And they don't even understand what peace means. We've got to fight them. We've got to struggle with them to make them understand what peace means. Holy shit. Imagine Boys to Men coming out with this as their like third album. Boys to Men. I'm sorry, mama. Mama don't want no blonde skin, blue eyed buttermilk toast cracker Christ. You know I love you, mama. That's what this is like right now okay it's fucking nuts if you just put it into context that's that's the equivalent of what's going on here now again d'angelo's always been a trailblazer but this is such a radical departure from anything he had done before and it's coming out in 2014 remember that i want to read these lyrics too god damn i may just have to play through the course Okay, I may have to play through the course, but it's hard because this song, let's talk about the composition of this song, 1,000 Deaths. Okay, it's muddy. It's muddy and it's a slog. And it's chaos. It's chaotic. It, it starts kind of steady. You've got the drum beat. Just driving it. And then the bass comes in muddy as fuck to where you can barely hear it Unless you like really listen in, it's it's slop. It's a slog. This song is almost like a march. Okay? It is it is a a a march. And I say that because we're gonna read some of these lyrics real quick. Why I believe this is like a war song. Okay? 
Here's verse one. I can't believe I can't get over my fear. They're going to send me over the hill. Ah, the moment of truth is near. They're going to send me over the hill. Sending over the hill is an image of, of, of war, getting sent over the hill to fight the enemy, right? This is someone, I can't believe I can't get over my fear. This is someone's first battle. They're going over the hill. The marching is taking you there. The base, the slop, you're going through the mud on your way there, but the march is steady. You keep having to go forward, right? Verse two, I can't believe I'm so caught up in the thrill. Oh, and nothing's going to change my will. Locked and loaded, and I know the drill. They're going to send me over the hill. Oh, God, I know the drill. They're going to send me over the hill. He's locked and loaded. Okay, he's getting sent over the hill. Then the pre-course into the course, and I'm only going to do this because when I play the song again, you won't be able to hear this. But into the, the pre-course, I've been a witness to this game for ages. And if I stare death in the face, no time to waste, but oh. And if I charge into the game before, every time I slip into the unknown, well, that's only when the spot gets blown. It's war. That is the Lord. I won't nut up when it, this is one of the best lines ever, by the way, to me. I won't nut up when we up thick in the crunch. God damn. I won't nut up when we up thick in the crunch. Okay? Like, I'm not going to lose my shit when shit goes down, when we in the thick of the shit. Because a coward dies a thousand times, but a soldier only dies just once. Once, once. Okay. So much that we could fucking break down here. But let's talk about the soldier and the coward. Here. Let's talk about an example of opening up your shit with Fred Hampton. Okay? I forget the name of the fucker who betrayed Fred Hampton. But Fred Hampton, uh, killed in his bed, uh, was drugged by his friend, or someone he thought was his friend who was working with the FBI, uh, drugged him, so he fell asleep in his bed. Fred Hampton was in his bed. The Chicago police and the FBI came in, shot him in the head next to his pregnant wife, killed him, right? But that's one soldier's death. Soldier dies just once. Meanwhile, this motherfucker who betrayed him ended up killing himself at age 40 and was riddled with guilt for the rest of his life after what he did. He killed a movement. He killed a revolutionary. He was a traitor. A coward dies a thousand times, but a soldier only dies just once. When we, this song is a rallying cry to me, but it's also about the chaos of battle. I won't nut up when we up thick in the church. It's fucking sick, right? You gotta, be, you gotta have the wherewithal. You gotta have the fucking will to go through with this shit. We're going over the hill. You're gonna be scared. You're gonna get caught up in the thrill. It's gonna be chaotic. And if you listen to the music, the music becomes chaos in the course, okay? And when we talk about the course in particular, um, and, if I'm a char and, and if I charge into this game before, every time I slip into the unknown, there's, there's a, God, there's so many ways to take that. You know what? I'll just play, I'll just play the, the, the rest of the song up through the course so you can hear how chaotic shit gets, okay? You remember 
the opening. Okay, we're going back to the first verses and then the chorus. Just listen to this fucking shit. wrote love songs what the fuck is going on and i'm glad first of all uhf the sly and the family stone i hear the influences but was there like a clip or a sample in there that i missed because that is awesome and i love the fact that uh um how do i say the au contraire oh it's just french okay au contraire you omar you're right omar that there's definitely parliament influences in there and it's important that you mention parliament because george clinton called this album, Black Messiah, the modern day What's Going On from Marvin Gaye. Said it did the same thing. Said it is the same, like, he compared it directly. That's high fucking praise. Because of What's Going On is another great fucking album that maybe we'll do sometime. Maybe we'll talk about that in the revolutionary sort of, how revolutionary that album was at the time. But just, this is D'Angelo, okay? D'Angelo is talking about cowards, Dying thousands of times. Soldier dies just once. Um, he says Yahweh Yahushua. Okay? Which is the, the, the Hebrew God in the next verse. He don't want no coward soldier. Sticking in golden sand. Must have didn't hear in my prayers. Must have didn't heard of my prayer. The, uh, this guy's a genius. Okay? Uh, there's only one. I, I could stay on this song for a long time. But there's only one last part. I want to play you the, the ending. Because the ending is, it really embraces the chaos. I think this is a song where he's, he's like, you're girding your loins for battle. He's acknowledging with the beginning of this song, the, the, the powers that be. They're megalomaniac warmongers. And yet here he is marching. I can't believe I can't get over the thrill. They're going to send me over the hill. Uh, I was born to kill. 
all the shit that's going on in this is so chaotic. And it doesn't, if you just read the lyrics, it doesn't make as much sense. Let me play you the ending. And then you maybe will get a better understanding of why I think this is like a fucking battle song. Um, let me see how I skip on. How about this fucking like ghetto ass fucking setup I'm doing though, man? I'm holding up a boombox like we're in the fucking 80s. Ain't this some shit? Okay. Um, let's see where we're at with this. drops out and then the bass comes back we're marching right back through the mud baby we're right back after that fucking battle right back through the mud disgusting 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 And that song leads directly into the next, which is called The Charade. Um, holy shit. I, uh, look, uh, the, the, if you heard after that explosion of wails, after those cries, the screams, the, the guitar, the vocalist is screaming, the guitars are screaming, they're screeching. The chaos, the only thing that remains, the only thing that's keeping everything on time is that relentless drum beat, that relentless steady battle drum, which continues on unfazed by the chaos. And as the whales die down, only that drum beat remains until a few bars later, that muddy bass joins us again and we're right back to marching. We're right back to slogging through the mud. This song is fucking insane, okay? It's insane. And it is political on so many levels, and it makes me want to fight a fascist. I'm gonna be honest. It makes me want to fight a nigga. That's what it makes me want to do. It makes me want to get. It is. It is. Um, I. It's just art, man. It's just fucking art. But I think the fact that it goes into this next song too. The next song is called the charade, and it starts very shapeless and formless. Um, until it crescendos into a steady beat. I'll just play the intro and then I'll talk about it a little. And eventually, uh, we can, uh, fuck it, I can do this all night. I don't give a shit. All right, let's go. This is a charade, the beginning of it. This is right after, again, the last track, A Thousand Deaths. <laughs> Thank you. 
two completely different albums. They're so different, right? Uh, Omar is really fucking killing it tonight, too, in the chat, because Prince and Funkadelic are exactly two of the people or two of the artists that I think about listening to this song in particular. But this song is, um, uh, besides musically, it's a good, it's a great song. It's great to listen to. Steady it sound like it. It's it, it's it just. It doesn't sound like anything else I've ever really heard. Besides maybe a, like a funkadelic and Prince like Frankenstein monster. But I want to read the lyrics to this song again. This is right after the One Thousand Deaths song, which is the most political thing that political song that D'Angelo had ever made up until that point that we had ever heard from him. Listen to this. Listen to these fucking lyrics. Crawling through a systematic maze, and it pains to demise. Pain in our eyes. Strain of drowning, wading into your lies. Degradation so loud that you can't hear the sound of our cries. All the dreamers have gone to the side of the road which we lay on. Inundated by media, virtual, Mind fucks in streams. Whoa. Degradation so loud that you can't hear the sound of our cries? Holy fuck. Like, it makes me sad. I, I just don't know how. Whoa. Like, all the dreamers have gone. All these dreamers, you know, the I have a dream, the Martin Luther King, the marchers have gone to the side of the road, which we lay on. We're laying out on the side of the road, you know, whether that's being killed, whether that's being uh, arrested, it, it's inundated by media. And now he's also calling out the media and everything inundated by media, virtual mind fucks in streams. What? And here's the course. All we wanted was a chance to talk. Instead, we only got outlined in chalk. Feet have bled a million miles we've walked, revealing at the end of the day, the charade. What the, f what? That's fucking beautiful. That's art. That's art. That's art. That is art. That, it gets me, it makes me sad. It makes me want to cry, but it makes me want to take action. For fuck's sake. All we wanted was a chance to talk. Instead, we only got outlined in chalk. 
feet have bled a million miles we've walked, revealing at the end of the day the charade, the charade of all of this, the charade of capitalism, the charade of the, the, the oppressive system. But here's what's crazy about it, because it sounds a little hopeless in this sense, right? He continues on, perpetrators beware, say a prayer if you dare for the believers. With a faith at the size of a seed, enough to be redeemed. Now, what the fuck does that mean? Let's think about that. With a faith at the size of a seed, enough to be redeemed. There's, I'll come back to that line. Let's continue. Relegated to savages, bound by the way of the deceivers. So anchors, be sure, that's your sure. We ain't no amateurs. All we wanted was a chance to talk. Instead, we only got outlined in chalk. Feet of blood a million miles we've walked, revealing at the end of the day, the charade. And then it goes into the bridge. With the veil off our eyes, we'll truly see. And we'll march on. And it really won't take too long. And it really won't take us very long. So let's go back to that line. Uh, with the faith at the size of a seed, enough to be redeemed. It is... To me, at least... What do I get out of this? What what revolutionary spirit does this does this stoke in me? Uh, you don't have to have much faith that the revolution can happen. You don't have to have much faith that we can actually win. You just need to have that small amount of faith, the size of a seed, because the seed grows. It's enough to be redeemed. So when he's saying Perpetrators beware. Say a prayer if you dare for the believers. With a faith, he's, there's, there's hope here. And it's not some like bullshit ass hope. It's just enough. All you need is just the faith of that seed. Just a small enough. It's exactly the size that it needs to, needs to be to be redeemed later. To me, that's fucking... That's insane. And he talks about with the veils off our eyes, we'll truly see and we'll march on. And it really won't take too long. We're going to keep going. This is a song that both, it, it pays tribute to the continued struggle towards justice to those who came before. It acknowledges how they only got outlined in chalk, how their feet have bled a million miles we've walked. The feet are bleeding, but he says we march on. This is a general. This is what a general tells their fucking troops. Do you hear this nigga? Please listen to what D'Angelo's saying here. This is from the muse. This is from the muse of, of, I don't know, like fucking Marx. If Marx has a muse, okay? Zeus came down and fucked Mars, Marx, and Marx had a bunch of like, I don't know, muse kids who are now goddesses and gods up in the air that are inspiring D'Angelo. That's the only explanation for this. It's the only one. But please, like, this is profound shit. So I get a little like, I don't know, when people say that like art isn't good or that like they're not talking about revolution, the fuck? 
Look, look at this. Look at this shit from a fucking sex singer, from a guy with the best dick V on the planet. This is who made this. This is the same person. So I, I, God, I, I, it's good. Okay, the album's very good. The next song it goes into is incredible. It's very funky. I'll play a little bit of it. It's it's called Sugar Daddy. It is basically the next to Really Love. It's like the hit single off the album. Uh, very different. But just listen, because like he's still an R&B singer. He's still he's still do, doing neo soul. Every once in a while, he's just having fun. And this song is fun, and it's good. It grooves. Not really a deeper political meaning. But I'll just play you the beginning because it's so it's like, just know that this is all the same album. Okay. All these weird songs, all these different songs. This is all the same album. This is the beginning of Sugar Daddy. He's still a nasty boy. He's a revolutionary now, but he still fucks. He still fucks. Holly motherfucking pocket. So the music's good. In case you bought this album and you were like, gee, I didn't expect all this black revolutionary stuff. You can still get down. Okay. Calm yourself. That's a song about him basically wanting to be a sugar daddy for a a congregation woman in church. And it also has one of the best lines that D'Angelo's ever written. One of the best lyrics he's ever written ever. And um, again, that's sugar daddy. This is not a revolutionary line, but this is the verse three. This is the final verse. Spoiler alert, they hook up. And this is this is the verse, okay? In that song. <laughs> so I take I take the child to my crib. I ain't gonna tell you what we did. I hit it so I made the pussy fart. She said it's talking to you, talking to your daddy. Wow. Uh, Okay. Can we also just acknowledge how funny it is that he says, I ain't going to tell you what we did. And then in the next line said, I hit it. So I made the pussy fart. 
<laughs> Can we talk about how fucking funny that is? It's very funny. Okay, I, I really like it. Again, just a good song. Not super revolutionary about the, you know, but then I think that goes, is Really Love Next? Really Love is Next. And it's a really good, I won't go every song on this album, but I do want to talk about this one a lot too. This, it starts off with this beautiful Spanish guitar and strings over it until the groove just sort of emerges again from the ether, from the muses. And it's just a nice love song. But it, again, it's also D'Angelo still being true to who he was in How Does It Feel? If you remember when we talked about Untitled, How Does It Feel? We talked about how sort of like those lyrics were about like, they were almost like giddy and, and vulnerable, you know? Um, how does it feel? Tell me how it feels. Uh, um, you know, the, uh, where's the, what's, the, what's the, the beginning? If you get this feeling, this feeling that I'm feeling. Girl, it's only you. Have it your way. If you want, you can decide. This almost like feminist, like lyricism that he has. He hasn't lost that. And really love is the first time I think, well, in this album, you see some of that coming back. This like, this mix between like the sensual, the erotic, and the, the, like the, like, I don't know, like innocent and vulnerable. Uh, he has this great line. I mean, the first verse is, when you call my name, when you love me gently, when, we're, when you're walking near me, Dadua, I'm in really love with you. I'm in really love with you. It's very fucking sweet. That's fucking sweet, dude. Thanks, my guy. D'Angelo, you're fucking sweet, my dude. Thanks. Like, when you look at me, I open up instantly. I fall in love so quickly. Do do what? I'm in really love with you. It's so nice. And he has this one line, which I really, really like. Um, when you touch me there, when you make me tingle, when our nectars mingle, mm, it's, first of all, like, you got to think, too. Not that main, like, like, can you imagine, like, a hood nigga on the planet, like, saying, like, when you make me tingle? You know what I mean? Like, this guy does not give a fuck. How he feels is how he feels, and he's opening up, like, these ranges of expression. When you make me tingle, when you, when you, lady, touch me there and make me tingle, it's cool. I fucking love it. I fucking love it. I'll play a little bit of this one. But again, this isn't another revolutionary one. We only got really one really other revolutionary song to get to. But I think we're having fun. And I like exposing people to D'Angelo. So this is the beginning of Really Love. And we'll play maybe through the first verse or course. But here's that Spanish guitar opening that I was talking about. Again, this is Really Love from Black Messiah by D'Angelo.
decir es que tú estás jodiéndome la vida. transitions and as Hannah put it too like D'Angelo don't stop he don't be stop. he's he does not stop he can get it okay I'm saying D'Angelo can get it and this is in the same album with some revolutionary shit right with it, it, it's just like there like I hmm how do I put this it it's I think in some ways too, this is my, my overall thesis for this album. I, I was going to save it to the end, but fuck it. Let me just say some of it. 
I think, I think part of the reason why a lot of people are becoming Marxists are becoming more interested in socialism nowadays is because of the heightening of the contradictions caused by capitalism, which are even causing some of our artists who weren't as political before to start noticing these things, especially the ones who see shit from the ether, who see stuff from the, the muses, right? Um, and if we, we're going to need art. In any kind of revolution, if you want to move people, if you want to get people to, to, if you want to touch them in ways that sometimes language can't, that sometimes even a conversation can't, that policy discussions can't, you have to fucking get them in the gut. You have to, it has to permeate them in a way that your words just can't do that sometimes. And we, this kind of shit is always worth having your ear to the ground for. Because you never know. Who's going to go in to the D'Angelo album wanting some of that dick V and getting some of that like communist V? I don't know. I don't know. The communist like fucking 1000 deaths storming the Capitol in the best way, <laughs> the right way. Um, and I think we should we, this this kind of shit. We should appreciate it. I think D'Angelo is being influenced by the same conditions that we are. Not quite. I mean, I'm sure he has more money and everything, but like the the some of the shit he's talking about on here, um, while still also talking about like how you make me tingle. I think it's important. But uh, I have really there's one other song that I want to talk about, and I'd love to take some callers, uh, or I'll just play the whole fucking album. Honestly, well, there's two. One is till it's done. Till it's done is. I think the most introspective song on here. Um, we're not going to go over Back to the Future Part 1. It's a good track. It's good. It's, it's you know, about relationships, but it can also be about, like, other stuff. I don't know. Put your own fucking metaphor on it. We're going to go with Till It's Done. Um, I fucking love this song. I really fucking love this song. It's got a dragging kind of feel to it. It's behind the beat a bit. It is, uh, it's just, it's got a nastiness, but the lyrics and some of the, the repetition, everything, they're really nice. Um, and also I want to say too, uh, thank you for everyone for being here. Uh, we're still going on, but I am so fucking impressed at some of the people's comments here on their taste in music and some of the influences like bra fucking Vogue. My guys, my gals, my all y'alls out there, like, hell yeah, that's good. I'm glad that when y'all aren't being revolutionaries, you're listening to good shit. Because that's, art is cool. That's what, like, being on earth and being able to enjoy each other and enjoy creation, the things that we can make, like, that's fucking rad. That's the point of a revolution, is to give us all more time to be with one another in community and to, to enjoy rad shit that we're doing. That's what, if we could listen to D'Angelo just all the time, that would be sick. But instead, we got to follow TPS reports or whatever the fuck. Um, but okay, this is track seven. This is uh, Till It's Done, uh, in parentheses, 2-2. I'll play some of it, but then we're just going to read through these lyrics because these lyrics, very uh, introspective, and very much kind of like a, where, where's D'Angelo's head at in making this record? 
besides what we've already discussed, right? Um, so this is about, uh, we'll go ahead and go to till it's done. Uh, it's a, it's a, it's a good track. I'll play just the beginning and then we'll read some of the lyrics here. But again, a very overtly political message, a very overtly, uh, uh, well, you'll see. Uh, so this is Till It's Done, again, off the Black Messiah album by D'Angelo. Just the beginning. Also, how has the volume been with the music? Too loud? Loud enough? I'm trying to keep track, but I haven't seen anyone say it's too loud yet. Good? Thumbs up if it's good? Well, can I get a, can a nigga get a thumb? <laughs> Anyone hit that thumbs up? Okay, there we go. Okay. So you, you let me know if it's too loud or if it's whatever. Just put it in the chat. But this is uh, Till It's Done, Tutu off Black Messiah. some some of the stuff that's going on here i think the opening in particular is very important starts with that little roll and then the drums and then suddenly boom 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 a bunch of different so sounds like weird like arpeggios or whatever on the guitar the bass is going doom 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 there's the La da 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 da. There's a doubling up with that with the da 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 da. It's like chaos, and to me, it's it feels like when you wake up in the morning, the pa 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 pa, boom, and then you wake up and suddenly there's an explosion of thought, of awareness. And it's all circling around. There's no real form or shape to it at the beginning. Until eventually it takes a form. And I think that's important here because, because if you listen to the lyrics, this is where I think, I really think D'Angelo is a fucking genius. Okay. I really think he's a fucking genius because if you listen to the lyrics that happen after this, they also kind of reflect on the, like the chaos of, of life 
right? The the lyrics that come directly after this when it transitions into that like going about your day, right? It reflects on the thoughts that could have been had during the chaos. And the lyrics reflect on the 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 what the thoughts were whirling around in the head that he's now trying to give some order to. But listen to this again. In a world where we all circle the fiery sun with a need for love, what have we become? Tragedy flows unbound and there's no place to run till it's done. Questions that call to us, we all reflect upon. Where do we belong? Where do we come from? Questions that call to us, we all reflect upon till it's done. So already we have the pretty, here we are circling around the sun, this existential, woo, what are we doing here? I have no fucking idea, but we all have a need for love. And what have we become here? This whole world is fucking tragedy. It's unbound. We can't get out. There's no place to run until it's done. And then the questions that call to us that we're reflecting upon, where do we belong and where do we come from? But we keep on reflecting upon them until it's done. We just keep on having those same questions, you know? And the other verses are very similar here. Verse two, carbon pollution is heating up the air. Do we really know? Do we even care? Acid rain drips on our trees and in our hair. Are you there? Clock ticking backwards on things we've already built. Sons and fathers die, soldiers' daughters killed. Questions ain't, do we have the resources to rebuild? It's, do we have the will? Talk to them, D'Angelo. Talk to them. Question ain't, do we have the resources to rebuild? It's, do we have the will? Listen to this motherfucker, though. Talks about the carbon pollution. Talks about global warming. He, it's the conditions which are creating his art to some extent now. You understand? These are things that are weighing upon him. Boom, they're, they're permeating. And he's using his art to get it out, to talk, to, to, to communicate to us. Are you there? Acid rain drips on our trees and in our hair. Are you there? Hello. Are you fucking there? And, and I just think that's great. I just think it's great. I don't think it's great that that's how he feels because that sucks. You know, no one wants to be in that condition, but we're all here together. But talking about clock ticking backwards on things we've already built, what a genius fucking line. What a genius idea of like how it feels to kind of be alive right now in so many ways. Like, why are we going backwards in so many fucking ways? Sons and fathers die, soldiers' daughters killed. Question ain't, do we have the resources to rebuild? It's, do we have the will? That's a socialist talking point, baby. Do we have the will? And then verse three. Perilous dissidence, evening up the score. Is he talking about us? Are we the perilous dissidents? Do we even know what we're fighting for? Destinies crippled and thrown about on the floor when we're waging war. Questions that call to us, we all reflect upon. Where do we belong? 
where do we come from? Questions that call to us, we all reflect upon till it's done. Genius. We wind up right back in a way where we started. The same questions that call to us, we all reflect upon. I just, I think it's a good fucking song, man. I really think it's a good fucking song. And the fact that the lyrics are good too, like really good. And I only, I really mentioned the lyrics because I think, you know, the, 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 the question that gets asked a lot of the times is what do we, what is the overall message here? Is it just that the world sucks, the world, the, the things are hard and we're all struggling and D'Angelo knows it too. So now hooray, congratulations. You know, like I, I think, I think D'Angelo in this album is very much showing that I think if there's any real theme, I think the next song sort of sums it up. And it is my favorite song on the album. Uh, Again, (laughs) it's my other favorite song on the album. But it's, you know, everyone has their own way to how to process these things. How do you get through the world? How do you continue to march on? you know, with your feet bleeding millions of miles that you've already walked? Um, How do you continue to go? And I think what D'Angelo is really trying to say in a lot of these songs is you find that seed or the faith that's the size of a seed, that's uh, the size to be redeemed. And it doesn't have to be faith in God, doesn't have to be faith in anything, but the faith that the seed can be redeemed that the efforts, that what you do can be achieved, even if you barely believe in it, because you have to keep going. That's what the message is more than anything. You have to keep fucking going till it's done. Yeah, keep going till it's done. It's fun. You got to keep going. Fuck them. You got to keep going. And this is the last song I'll do. Again, there's so many other great songs on this album. But this song, again, my favorite off this fucking album, um, it's called Prayer. And it's important that this song comes right after Till It's Done, a song where we were just asking, where do we belong? Where do we come from? So after acknowledging the inevitability of death, after asking existential questions about who we are and where we belong, and after... um, you know, musing on whether we even care that we're destroying the earth. The next song on the album basically answers the question, so what do we do? Prayer answers the question, so what do we do? Now, the, the song is called Prayer, and it starts off with D'Angelo praying directly after a song which just acknowledged how chaotic the world is and the inevitability of death. And it's a funky rendition of the Lord's Prayer to start with, with ad-libs in there. You know, our father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. But it's like broken up. There's parts of it that are like, he doesn't say all the words. It it, it goes in and out. It's almost like D'Angelo is feeling like he's clinging to the faith that he's had but maybe it's not the same faith in just like the, the, some special deity. 
maybe it's the power that he got from that idea. You know, faith itself can be powerful without the deities attached, without the, 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 the father in heaven. But there is a feeling and you'll get this, you know, people who have left religions would, will, a lot of them mention, you know, when they're like, what do you miss the most? They're like, well, that feeling that like I was, I felt protected or close or something like something with God. There's some intangible something there. Again, not language can't always tell or, or describe what it is, but that that like feel feely, that feely feel that comes with it. You'll hear in the beginning of the song in prayer, if it's phasing in and out for D'Angelo. It's in, it's out. The words of the Lord's Prayer are sometimes here, sometimes not. But the core, the 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 the, the comfort, the the idea of like how it moves you is still there. Um, the song shifts away from the Lord's Prayer to instead start delivering a message directly to the listener. Uh, the devil on your feet is the first thing he says. That's a common expression. It's been an expression for a long time. It's, you know, the, the evils of the world that are chasing you, the devil on your feet, you're running, you're struggling, you're struggling. I know that he will, he will try to stop you from seeing your days, but you got to pray all the way till you get on. I believe that someday we will rise. So D'Angelo is telling us that he believes in the inevitability of the rise, in a revolution, basically, right? He believes that someday we will rise, but you got to pray and you don't have to pray to a God or anything like that. You just, you have to have faith that you will get there. Faith, the sight of a seed that can be redeemed. That's all it takes. That little fucking nugget, my dude, that's it. And it doesn't, like I said, it doesn't have to be to God. It doesn't have to be to any deity, but there does have to be the faith. There has to be the will. And we'll get into the second verse in a second. But what I'm going to do first, I'm going to start the, this is prayer from D'Angelo, uh, the Black Messiah album. I want you to really listen to this shit. And what you see a return of too, is if you remember way back in Voodoo, when we were talking about the drum beat that drags behind the beat, that groove that sits right outside of the pocket to drag. You remember when we were talking, when Questlove was talking about how he was told by D'Angelo to do that on the Voodoo album. It makes a return right here in prayer. Um, so just listen to Prayer by D'Angelo off the Black Messiah album. Oh, oh, oh. 
take me to church. Oh, god damn. So that on the drums there, on the drums is a, a man named Chris Dave. God, I I'm just gonna keep listening. Sorry guys. I gotta listen a little more. try to harm you, the world, whatever you want to put there, right? And if you can, I know that you will make it to the promised land, but you got to pray. You got to pray or you got to pray for redemption. Lord, keep me away from temptation. Deliver us from evil. And all this confusion around me, give me peace. And the last line of the song is just, I believe that love. That's it. That's his little kernel. That's his seed, the size of, or his, that's his faith. That's the size of, the size of a seed enough to be redeemed. Is he believes in love. Why does he think that we're going to make it to the promised land? Because he believes in us. He believes in love. And I know it always sounds corny with shit like this, but I think sometimes, especially in some, certain leftist spaces nowadays, people, um, and it doesn't even need to be leftist, whatever, political spaces, there's, there's a, a disconnect sometimes between the revolution and the politics of it, why you want to have the revolution, and what the purpose of it is. And 
it sounds stupid sometimes to say that the purpose is because you love people, because you love the people and you want them to be able to live and you, you want to be able to live in a way that lets you actually experience that love and communion with one another. And, and that's the fucking emor- emotional core of a politics that's for the people. I think that's what Fred Hampton was about, but it's always been bigger than Fred Hampton. It's always been bigger than these motherfuckers, to be quite honest. You know, it's not any one person. It's all of us. When we start clapping at the end of prayer, there's no claps until the end. And then suddenly whole course of people clapping after he says, I believe that love. Look, it's, it's, it's also important that the last line to me, verse three, and maybe it's just, you know, or verse two, maybe this is just revealing more about myself, but what are the last things that are said in this verse? Well, you got to pray, you got to pray. So you got to have this, I don't know, faith in the movement, but you got to pray for redemption. That's interesting. Why the redemption part? Why, of all the things that you can mention in this song, is redemption the one? And keep me away from the temptation, deliver us from evil. Redemption, that's not a part of the Lord's prayer, right? The Lord, keep me away from temptation, deliver us from evil. That's part of the Lord's prayer. That fits within the theme of the song. That fits within the inspiration. He starts off with the choppy part of the Lord's prayer. But this is something that he chose. This is an ad lib. The redemption part is an ad lib that D'Angelo intentionally put into the song. Why? Um... Since he's not here to tell us, I'm going to speak for him. <laughs> but but this is what I think. I think we we've spoken before on this on this show about the 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 power of forgiveness. Um, and I think it's look. I think it's crucial that any kind of revolutionary politics that depends on mass people and a mass movement cannot be self defeating. And it cannot be self-sabotaging. And that means along the way, we are going to have to forgive a lot of people. And we're also going to have to do a lot of forgiveness of ourselves. We can't just essentialize a person or a, a group or whatever based on what they had done in the past. You know, if I was a fucking piece of shit, like asshole capitalist or whatever, and I say that, there's, you know, maybe I shouldn't be that ridiculous. Maybe if I did, like, if I did something like, I don't know, fucked up and you learn, you learned from it and you understand how you hurt people and you move towards the revolution, the redemption is a necessary part, not just from the outside for you, but for the inside, for you. You know, a lot of, I mean, like, look, we don't even have a lot of people who are run for office or do any of this shit. Why? Uh, you know, some of us don't believe in the system. A lot of us don't. I mean, most of us. But I think it's also a lot of people who don't think that they're good enough or they're worthy or they are, they did something in the past or they're someone, you know, they, they, they're not because of who they were, a mistake that they made, they're 
constantly supposed to be there. That's not what a fucking revolution is, my dude. This system is is is, is like bad. The the revolution is our ability to actually like understand that some of the shit that's happened under it is not necessarily it's not I'm not trying to like absolve us of responsibility, but like if you believe that love and the purpose of the revolution above all else really is you do it because you love people and they deserve love. They deserve to be able to find it and achieve that themselves. Then that redemption has to be a a part of it. You don't always got to be. So look, if you've been like a fucked up person or something like that, you know, your victims are always the people first and foremost who have like, they can always choose to forgive you or not. That's always outside of you. But how you choose to act from here on out, that's on you. Whether you decide to be part of the revolution, that's on you. Whether you decide to be part of like a solution, you can make that decision, but you got to pray. <laughs> Doesn't mean you got to pray to God, but you have to, you have to make that choice. I think that's all that means. You have to make that choice. And I don't know, man. D'Angelo's got hope for us. I got a lot of hope for us too. So why do we just spend two hours talking about D'Angelo? Because I fucking wanted to, number one. <laughs> That's the first, if I'm going to be real, if I'm going to be real, I've lost a little bit of the plot here. Um, but the purpose is, look, uh, I think it'd be hard to take a listen to this or to be here tonight and to not think that art in ways can shape people into revolutionaries, can shape people into political ideologies can, can, and is shaped by the conditions which make it. And to, to totally disregard it, to totally, and, and I'm not saying anyone's done this either. Um, but I, you know, I'm not accusing anyone of totally disregarding art or anything like that, but we, we have to be very, we should not underestimate its power. We really shouldn't. It's, it's part of that. It's, 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 it's older than any even fucking political system that we have. It's like, it's, it's been part of us since as long as we've been able to like figure out how to start making it. It's essential. It's part of like our human will, our spirit, the thing that even lead people to care about anything can be directly inspired by art. And when I hear good revolutionary art that's out there, um, or just good art, it doesn't even need to be fucking revolutionary. If you're gonna be honest, if I hear really good art, I'm fucking banging that shit. Sorry, like it's good. Lil Uzi Vert is good, I'm sorry, okay? But like, when you hear stuff and the message is also good, like, yo, you gotta bump that shit. I don't see where we get if we just if, if if what I'm worried about I guess is this is us basically having this like uh, this this false belief that art or some of these things like love or human connection these softer parts of like a politics are 
not useful or not like the point. You know, the point of the revolution is art. The point of the revolution is love. The point of changing the system is peace, freedom for people to be able to be themselves and love and be with each other. Um, And sometimes you need to remember that. And a good way to remember it is to experience it. It's to experience what it is to have love. To experience what it is to, to be inspired to be creative and to, to enjoy other people's creative works. That is important. That is so, at least, that is so fucking important for a, someone who wants to be part of a movement for people. Because how are you gonna be part of it if you've started to, I don't know, hate or disregard everything that makes us so fucking cool? If you've totally just dismissed the human spirit, the human creative will, the muses that inspire us. And look, a lot of us were just indoors for two years, basically, or however long the lockdown was, wherever you're located. And um, know what it's like to kind of be, I guess, stuffed up a little bit, not really out in the world. Uh, Some people were productive. A lot of people weren't. Uh, To be withdrawn. I just find it really fucking inspiring that D'Angelo could disappear for damn near 15 years after being seen as the the heir apparent to the throne of Neo Soul and R&B and come back with one of the most brilliant albums of all time. I mean, I would put this up there. Honestly, like... It's pretty clear to everyone here that I'm a D'Angelo fucking stan at this point. But really, I this album to me is so goddamn good. I really think, you know, if you said, hey, this is one of the best human creative works that's ever going to exist musically, I'd put this shit up with like Beethoven, which is so fucking silly to say, but it's real. I think this is so fucking sick. And thank you for being here and sharing, uh, sharing in this, uh, this episode with me. Uh, but that's all I got on my, on my menu. Only two hours of just pure fucking talking. (laughs) We were jamming too, though. We had some jams. I mean, if, if anyone, if I'm introducing people to the, to D'Angelo for the first time, you're welcome. Honestly, the Voodoo album is fantastic. I would start with Voodoo just because I, I do think it is. Um, man, some of the tracks on that album are so fucking good. I know Schnarf's been in here talking about Devil's Pie. Devil's Pie is good. And it is nasty. He is he is a nasty boy. D'Angelo is a nasty boy. He does not, he does not play. Um, but Black Messiah is the name of the album again. Uh and I do think it's, I, I think as an album, I really do think it's a miracle. I think it's a fucking miracle that after 14, damn near 15 years, you could come back with something that is so prescient in its message, so like true to who you were as an artist in so many other ways, and so exploratory of new realms that you wanted to get to. Like, that's just a victory for the human spirit, for human creativity. And I'm always going to root for that shit. 
If you ever make dope shit, I am here for it. I'm fucking here for it. So that's um, that's really all I got. Um, Schnarf, as a caller, uh, go ahead and take this call. Hey, Schnarf. What's going on, man? Play devil's pie. <laughs> nah, nah, you did joke. No, listen, listen. Okay, so I, I 100% still disagree with you, but I love your take on it so much that I want you to play devil's pie, and I want to hear your opinion of devil's pie. Okay, okay. I want to... I, you know, like I feel like you're not you're not doing any justice to Devil's Pie, and I'm kind of upset. <laughs> okay, that's fair. That's fair. That's fair. We'll play. We'll play Devil's we'll Pie. Play. We'll, as, we'll take requests. Thank you, Schnarf. Um, so we're gonna go to Devil's Pie, baby. Uh, this is off the Voodoo album. It's a. Uh, let's go to it. I'll go ahead and play it. Give me one second. And for those of you who are just joining. Uh, we're just talking D'Angelo, baby. It's just a D'Angelo fan club up in here. Okay. So this is Devil's Pie by D'Angelo off the Voodoo album. <laughs> Watch the 
slight correction. Slight correction to um, before I play the rest of the song. Slight correction to um, Africa being the only political song, the real political song, or the closest to a political song on Voodoo. This is clearly political. <laughs> I have not. Let, I have to re-listen to this again because it's been so long since I've listened to this. Because I used to just think it was just about like fucking. Just I want to slice the devil's pie. I want the pie, but holy shit, there's a lot here. Even the third verse goes into "Ain't no justice, it's just us." Ashes to ashes, dust to dust. Time has come for most of us to choose in which God we trust. Ooh. So there were markings for sure in voodoo. I was, I know I was born to die, searching to find a peace of mind with 85 dumb and blind. What does that mean? What is 85 dumb and blind? Oh, Sharf's calling. Sharf, what's going on? It's it's a five percenter reference. What is that? The eighty five blind, d- dumb, deaf, and blind. Eighty five. Okay, wait. So, how familiar are you with with the, with like the five percenters? I, I I don't think I've heard of them. Oh boy, we got. <laughs> okay, so. Okay. There's the nation of Islam, and then there's the fruit of Islam, and then there's the five percenters. And oh, okay. I grew, I grew up with, I so like at the time that I grew up, like I, I, I had these things in my ear, so I was always kind of like, tell me what you think, right? So I listened yeah. to just about anybody tell me things because I was kind of looking for an answer, right? And then I, I so so the idea is, is I don't know how familiar you are with the story of Yakub and. You know, him popping babies' brains with, with needles and shit. You've never heard of this stuff, have you? I've never fucking heard of that in my life. Oh, my God. God. You... <sighs> what is this? Is this? Oh, my God. Okay. So that that just this is a whole other conversation about the nation of Islam and what they hold to be true and the difference between traditional, let's call it orthodox Islam, right? But... The general story here is that 85% of people don't have any kind of cognition of what's going on. Yeah. And there's the 5% and then the, the 10% and it, it's broken down into the ways things work in terms of people manipulating the world for their benefit. And obviously, <clears throat> since it's coming out of the nation of Islam, we, we all know who the uh, main perpetrator devil is, right? So, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So, like, but but mm. but this song, all all shit set aside, I think is is a beautiful anthem of a generation of people who uh, sold drugs and yeah. people who 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 partook in a black market that either ended up giving us some semblance of of a taste of money or it gave us our ultimate faith in, in the criminal justice system. So I saw both of them. And one of the funniest things, you are a very huge enthusiast of D'Angelo, but I had a buddy growing up that was the same way. He was like, like he was one of the, he was one of the toughest people I've ever met, but like you get, you go to his house and he's sitting there like 
you know, <laughs> making rice and singing fucking a lot of slow jams and shit, right? Like, it, of course, dog. I, of course. Yeah, it, it was, it's interesting. So, point being is that I think this song, it, it talks about how our material aspirations lead us to do things that are wrong because there's nothing there for us to take advantage of. Right. Mm-hmm. So your, your, your immediate vicinity is surrounded by people who, let's say, for example, are involved in prostitution. You're going to have a glorified view of the pimp. If your immediate proximity is the person who steals cars, you're going to have this kind of fantastic view of stealing cars. And mm-hmm. if your you know, vicinity is immediately drug dealers, you're going to have this kind of huge reverence for the sell the sale the sale of something like heroin right so heroin and crack are, are like a very dirty business right. right like people people will come to your door with like their 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 electronics their 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 shit and they'll they'll beg you because yeah. they have yeah. this this physical addiction it's not like it's not like weed. It's not like right, coke. Right, it's like right. it's nothing like that. People, people are like they're 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 scraping their face and they're they're begging you. I mean, I've seen I've seen people at their worst when they're when they're begging and demanding for the for the fix. So, yeah, I'd say the crackheads are a lot, a lot more violent. The dopeheads they'll just do more. They'll do anything. Like they they yeah. there's nothing they yeah. won't do. But that's yeah. what he's talking about in there. And then he's talking about the people who get swept up as a result yeah. of, of being a part of, of the sale of narcotics. Yeah. And and that's a, that you gotta talk you gotta, we don't talk about that enough, but the pharmaceutical yeah. industry took away that shit. Yeah, <laughs> they, 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 they took did. a huge chunk of that. They definitely did. Drugs and thugs, women wine, three or four at a time. Watch them all stand in line for a slice of the devil's pie. Yeah, yeah everybody. But, but that 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 desire, that desire for for that for that material wealth, that shit is insane. And I, I think I, I don't think he. I see the, the way I think. I like D'Angelo speaks about it or sings about it. I should say. I, I don't think he's condemning it as much as he's saying he's trapped in it. I don't know because this one's interesting. Like uh, maybe, maybe I don't think that's an unreasonable interpretation. At all. No, listen to it again because I, I okay. So here, here's yeah. I'm being unfair because I literally listen to the song every day. Like it's it's <laughs> it's on my playlist. Like that that song yeah. plays. Yeah. Like I, I love the song to the point where like it it, it it's just it, it. If I had to pick a couple songs to listen to, and I had like I don't know an hour to live, this would make it. And I listen to it enough. But the way it sounds, at least in my ear, is that he's talking about himself being a part of the whole thing and and living for the slice of that devil's pie. Yeah, I think there's definitely part of that. He still has the same temptations. And and, and uh, uh, when I myself feel like high from all that I despise, like he's still like, you know, he's he likes fucking. He likes doing some of this shit. Um but, but I don't. I don't think it's just about him fucking. I think. I think he right, realizes right. that in order to have that that kind of that kind of life, he needs yeah. to have some kind of money to live it. Because 
you, you know, you, you can't have that fast life. You can't have yeah. all the women and cars and, 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 and those things without, without a little bit of, um, you know, so to speak, the cheddar, you know, like you yeah. have to have something to, to, to be able to create that. N- nobody wants, if that was the case, <laughs> being, being homeless would be a lot cooler. <laughs> it would be way cooler. Yeah. I guess that's fair. Yeah, that's it would fair. be a lot cooler. Uh, I do, women, I do. women would be flocking to the homeless man sitting there, you know, for the sign, the world's <laughs> I mean, uh, the, the one line that that's kind of catching me up on this is on verse three, when he says, ain't no justice, it's just us. Ashes to ashes, dust to dust. That's pretty clear as to what it is. But time has come for most of us to choose in which God we trust. And th- that refers directly to like a Bible verse, I remember, which no man can serve both God and mammon. In some, it's God and money. But when he says, which so God you hear the like, church, you hear the church. I hear, I hear, I hear the five percenters. That's funny. Yeah. Yeah. But the, the, the I don't, I don't, I don't think he has a, I don't think he has an allegiance to either or I think he yeah. just hears both. Yeah. Um, so yeah. it goes back. Like a lot of five percenters used to say, ain't no Jesus is just us. Ain't no justice. It's just us. Like that. Just us was just, okay. Well, you may have it. You may have it correct then as to what he actually meant, if that's a the saying. But I do know the the choose like no one man could serve both God and money is a pretty well known Bible verse. And seeing the rest of this being about like those capitalists or like activities of consumption, fucking drugs, doing whatever you know, the devil's pie, wanting the whole slice, and the money aspects of it too. Um, it could be one of those double entendres where multiple meanings can be found of the same line, which is. I think so too. You know yeah. what? You know what? Uh, soundtrack. This was on. Uh, the soundtrack? No, it, no. This was this was in a movie. This was in a movie. It was uh, on the Belly soundtrack. Hmm. You remember the movie it. Belly with Nas and DMX? Method oh, Man no. was in it. Yeah, I, I didn't see it. You never seen Belly? Oh man. <laughs> oh my fucking god! I mean, dude, 1998. Yeah, it's yeah, a old. I remember seeing this and wanting to watch it. My parents wouldn't let me watch this shit. <laughs> <laughs> my dad would be like, "Go to your no, room, the movie. Go to your room and do your you study." What is this? No McDonald's. What? What? what, what <laughs> McDonald's? Did you? Wait, did you, you have McDonald's? the Godfrey? Is, is your is, is your is your is your dad like the Godfrey like uh, stereotypical African father? I, I don't have yeah, a dad, so yeah. I can't like I can't say it. Very, very much like that. Like Godfrey's <laughs> Nigerian accent is very is very much like my dad a lot of ways. So oh, yeah, man. Yeah, go study. So so if you yeah. if you one of one of the other the way the, the, the movie the starts. What is the devil's pile? Why do you go and the pile? You you are already too fat. You are too fat for pile. You should be in gym. Why are you getting pie? Why are you eating the devil's pie? And why is the devil in this house? You better not bring. You better banish the devil from this house. Or I will put a curse on you. Yeah. What way? Ah, in this house. This is a Christian house. Yeah. So wait, so okay, so who who was the religious person? He was the religious person or your mom was the religious person? Um but my both my parents. My dad's big time. Big, big time. Like like what? Like Pentecostal? He's interesting, he's interesting because like my 
my grandparents or his parents, uh, one is a Christian and one is a Muslim. So they just, and everyone, uh, when they're a kid, got to decide which way they want to go and they just kind of did whatever. So they're not like, they're very devout, but they're not very like uh, other religions or other things are wrong or anything like that, you know? So it's just kind of, and they all would like pray. But, but you, you got, you got no, 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 like actual, like traditional religions at work. Uh, I guess, yeah, I do. Uh, I guess I was raised uh, Episcopalian, so no, no, I'm talking about no, no, no. What, what I, oh, what I mean by that about is like, like old, like voodoo shit, like old shit. Well, well, okay. So you, you, we, we in the Western Hemisphere would call it voodoo or or yeah. something like that, but it's the it's yeah. just the I guess the religion of the the Yoruba and. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we talked about this before, so I'm because you yeah. told me about the the markings, right? The the the, right. the scars and everything. So I yeah. figured, like, there's got to be something at work. Those yeah. the, the the scars also have to do with the religion. I, you know, the one person who would be dope to ask is my friend Frank, and he um because he does the shit right, yeah, and he can give you both because uh, because he has like both the 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 Haitian perspective and the Cuban perspective. Mm-hmm. Which is dope, yeah, cool. but like, um, but then, but then, you know, there's there's the actual perspective of the people across the world that I've never heard. That that I've always been interested. My friend Wendy, she knows a little bit about it, but you know, she she thinks it's a grift, so <laughs> she's not good for. That. Yeah, I mean, religion. It's 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 interesting. I don't know. I mean, I think I think one of the things that I. I I don't know if I struggle with, but that I find fascinating is the idea between or the gap that religion or like a faith can play between people's ideas of what's possible and what's impossible. And it almost has like a placebo effect at times. Like if you believe that something can happen, then you are more willing to actually pursue that thing and do it. And the concept of faith um, though a lot of times, you know, dangerous and easily manipulated by the powerful or by people with alter ulterior motives, uh, the concept of it and getting someone to do something that they thought was impossible. And then it turns out they make it possible. I find that very fascinating. Um, and I wonder if there's like a more secular way to get people to do that. Um, I I'm of the persuasion that religion is the opiate of the masses. I still yeah. kind of believe that. Yeah, but, I, I I don't even disagree with that. I just think, so so what like your take on D'Angelo? I think do some crazy shit. <laughs> I guess that's what I'm no, saying. I think, I think I think your take on D'Angelo is fucking beautiful. Like I I like the way I like your take on it. But here's what I think. Like just just. Just to put it in perspective, I think sure. it's what you hear in your ear. So, like, if you listen to D'Angelo with your ear and with the way you're interpreting it, I like that, and that yeah. that does have a revolutionary streak to it. But if yeah. you if you can also listen to it from the perspective of someone who's not really looking at it that way, and then it just becomes kind of a, a a very dry, almost like, okay, abstract thoughts here, but I don't connect it to anything. You know, I, I just, I, I play it while I, while I make my, my sandwich. Right. And then I play it, you know, when I'm trying to get busy with the, you know, whoever came over. Right. 
girlfriend, wife, whatever it is, you know, yeah. however. Yeah. But that that's what I'm saying. Like in in it's it's all based on the context. I, I think yeah, I think so. I think that's probably true. Um, but that's why I want to share my context. You know? I I want I think that sometimes I mean to me, I I really like Sometimes I, you know, I love art, but sometimes I'll watch people just talk about art because somehow it's like their, their passion or their, what they're hearing to me seems like it's almost an extension of the art itself, the impact it's had on people. Um, and I think that can help people sort of interpret art differently. You know, it's kind of like if you've ever had a, um, I don't know if you and like a, a partner have ever had a a song, right? You and someone had like your song. I don't know if it was your first dance or whatever, or we, we both established you have a song. Maybe it's a song that played at your wedding, song that was playing when you met, but you have that song and you've heard that song maybe many times before, a lot of the times before, but there's something that happens when the context of having heard that song with this person forever changes your interpretation of the song, because now there's a part of the song that is embedded with that person forever. And you can't unhear that. And sometimes having that difference in your ear in the same way when we just listened to devil's pie, how you heard the 85% stuff. And I heard the, the Christianity stuff. Now, when we both go forward after this, we're both going to hear probably both just because of the context of this oh, conversation. I mean, I hear the Christianity stuff for sure. It's just, it's just, I think, I think, okay. I, me personally, I have a hard time removing my, the way I think from enjoying a moment. And I think yeah. what I've gotten from here is sometimes you need to turn off the switch and just enjoy things as they are. Yeah, My problem brother. is, is that I, I get I get irritated by like I, I get irritated by like Cardi B. I get irritated yeah. by by get, by the Migos. I just it, it just starts eating away, and then and then you end up in this kind of I'm not even gonna lie to you. Like I ended up like just listening to a lot of instrumentals. I listen to a yeah. lot of instrumentals just because yeah. I feel I feel a little bit betrayed by by a lot of people in, in the I sense that what they. What they said, what I think the bigger picture here is we should also look at, look at what, what you just did in reverse, right? So if you take mm -hmm. lyrics from someone like Jay-Z, for example, mm -hmm. right? And you start unraveling what he's saying and you create a different kind of image of a person, you're going to get an actual different view of, of the man as opposed to this kind of messiah of, of uh, entrepreneurship yeah. and, and, and pick yourself up by your bootstraps and all that good shit. Yeah. 100%. 100% you will. You, you, see, you see a shill for capitalism. Yeah. You see a, you yeah. see a, you see a, you see a person who, who celebrated the, the, the playground to prison pipeline. Yeah. You And I think, See, this is this is very interesting, but this is one of the reasons why I wanted to do this too. Honestly, Schnarf is because I think that the where I've started to wind up, especially when it comes to art, 
is there can be contradictions which exist inside of the art itself and inside of the person creating the art. And I can still enjoy Jay-Z parts while also acknowledging the ultra capitalism of it. I mean, Drake is a little harder for me just because a lot of Drake's stuff now, I just don't, I don't care for it. It's like, what is this? Like, I get it. You can play it in a club or whatever, but like, I just don't like, it's like, ugh, come on. You, you, I know you can do better than this, Drake. I know you can. Um, It feels phoned in, but, but I think that part of having a politics, which is very much critical of capitalism and is based on heightening the contradictions and seeing the critiques there there's look, there's a real uh, danger of us all becoming just cynics and just cynical about everything because everything (laughs) that we're, I mean, look, everything that we're experiencing right now is within this system and has been touched by it and shaped by it in some way, shape or form. Nothing has escaped, but that that can make you cynical of things. It can make you, and if if what you see all the time are those, oh yeah, (laughs) (laughs) well you're self aware, you know, like that's good. No, I'm I'm super self aware. I'm super self aware that I'm cynical. Yeah, and 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 I I guess that's why I'm I have an indulgence side because what I try to do is I try to turn off my brain with with the um you know the fun stuff. Yeah, I get you. But I I think I think that's a very Lenin like perspective on things, because what 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 I think the difference is, and and this is my take on it, is when a contradiction occurs in something, I look at it as a reason to lose faith. The reason why I lose faith in it is because I feel like that contradiction is a cancer. It takes away from the bigger message. Right. Right. I see. But then if there, there are people, there are people who, who will take that, that contradiction and say, you know, set it aside and take, you know, take this as, as, uh, as an asset and forget the rest of it. And I, and I have a hard time doing that. I guess that's why I'm a little bit cynical, but yeah. I, I think there's beauty. There's beauty in things we can, we can appreciate stuff, right? Like we can appreciate But I like your version better. Like if you if you're interpreting it, and even if you even if you stretch the 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 interpretation or exaggerate it, I think it's better than just listening to it in the context of it by itself and and saying, oh well, you know, whatever the the, the more regular schmegler version. Yeah, yeah. I, I I well, that's very fascinating to hear, especially from you, and I I appreciate that. Um, <laughs> But like I, I, I'm a big fan of like if you really start finding things that you love and if there's something about it, just surrender yourself to it a bit. Like let yourself let it wash over you. Let yourself experience it. And you know, there are some things that I like that I can't fucking explain. You know? I, I, I don't have a, a super like you know, I don't, there's some art that I like that objectively, or when people look at it or when they experience it, I guess it's all subjective, right? But it's really shitty. Mm. But like, I like it. <laughs> the, D'Angelo, the D'Angelo remake of Ain't No Sunshine. 
Oh, I didn't. I don't think I've heard that. But it's gonna be no. Hard to oh my god! If you can find it, if you can find it, that's another good one. Okay. I bet it is. Oh man, that shit is it's amazing actually. He does yeah. he does it so much justice because I, I like it better than the original. Hmm. I think I found it. Let me Well, I got Everybody Loves the Sunshine. He did that too? Roy Ayers? My life, my life, my life, my life in the sunshine. I, I think he I think he might have. Okay, let me see if I got this. <laughs> D'Angelo. D'Angelo ain't no sunshine. He has the perfect voice for it, honestly. I okay, I got something on YouTube here. Maybe if I let me see. Does this sound like it? Okay. This is D'Angelo's cover of Ain't No Sunshine. Sunshine when she's gone. It's not warm when she's away. There ain't no sunshine when she's gone. And she's always gone too long. Anytime she goes away. What? Wonder this time where she's gone. Wonder if she's Yeah. 
I know that I was gonna that's I was gonna say the same thing, UHF. But the more I'm listening to it, it sounds like him though. It just sounds it, this must be early on. This must be like a deep cut that he never released. Or something that's Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. 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 That's fire as fuck, though. Yeah. That's fire, though. I love that. Back in Napster days, for those of you kids who don't know, back with Napster, uh, you would just have to type in song and a song and try to download it but you never knew what you were going to get. Like it could be a song with the wrong file name. Uh, it could be a, a completely different song. It could be like someone's DJ version of the song. You just never knew. It was like a fucking grab bag. You just had to go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it could be. And it, Shelly, you're right. And it took an hour to download. It was nuts. I don't want to hear these kids complain about their internet today because our shit, God damn. Oof. Forget about it. Forget about it. Yeah, sometimes. Sometimes. No, I still do that every once in a while. I just, I don't have as much of a need to just because of all the streaming and shit nowadays, but it depends, you know? Like, it's, it's, you can. <laughs> Sorry, I just saw the chat. Shelly just says you can now you can download you can download a gangbang in 30 seconds. <laughs> it's true. Yeah. All the time. Yeah. Mm. I mean, we're acquaintances, not friends. <laughs> but yeah, I, I get you. I get you. I get you. <laughs> I said, I need some milk. You're a cow. I need some milk. That's what I said to Doja. Um, no, I'm fine. I'm cool with that. <laughs> but um, yeah, look, I, I get it. And I, I do worry about art in the future with it constantly being, uh, you know, as long as things are constantly, you know, people are born into a world where their lives are constantly on display and they are learning social cues much faster. In some ways, that's good. But the the conformity that they're learning, too, is also much quicker. Uh, there aren't as many just like fucking people being weirdos because they don't want to get it filmed or they, I don't know. They know that they're going to make fun of, be made fun of. And if you have a weird video or something, it can last forever and yada, yada, yada. So I think there's a lot, there's going to be a lot more conform, more conformity, just sort of socially necessary. I say socially necessary, but you know, like the pressure to conform is going to be a lot higher with people as they're under more and more surveillance. And I do think that like part of what probably makes D'Angelo's art so good is like, 
you know, he's raised in a church. He's from fucking Virginia. Who the fuck was from Virginia? You know, who was he 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 he's got Philly vibes for sure. I I, I don't think that's a that's a bad play, that's a bad guess at all. He's got the vibe for sure. Um it's not every day someone from Virginia gets naked with a perfect dick V and gets in front of a camera and just looks at it, right? That's if he's five six. That nigga could he it don't matter. It honestly don't matter. Like he like mm, exactly yeah, those shorter guys. They're so cut, dude. I don't get it. I don't get it. Look, they have to have one thing, for fuck's sake. Like please they they need one victory with some shit, right? They're gonna be like a short king. They gotta have the king status. So maybe maybe that's God's like. Well, they're gonna be more muscular. Mm-hmm. I'm six three. Uh, I'm like six two, six three with shoes. Okay. <laughs> Oh yeah, we're we're fucking giants. Yeah. 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 I've heard that with Japan too. Same thing. Everything's shorter, but here's what it is. That's what I've been hearing. Oh, it looks like Phil's calling in too. Um call him up. Oh, thanks for calling in, Schnarf. Uh good talking with you. Uh Phil, you've been active down there in the chat with some good fucking tasting music. So uh, what are your hey, thoughts? What's up? What's going that, on, man? That was a, really good. That was such a good show. That was, yeah. Thanks, I mean, man. Like, yeah. you, you talk about D'Angelo. And, <laughs> yeah. And also, I was hoping Schnarf would, yeah, stay in, but. Yeah. Uh, about that, bring him up real idea. quick. Cool. Let me bring him up. How do I? Oh, God, I'm on my. Okay, here we go. But I just wanted to say, you know, if I understood right, this idea that may, maybe an album like Voodoo, right, it's not mm-hmm. so explicitly uh, revolutionary in the lyrics, right. but it, at least to me, and I, I know that it sounds like to you kind of, like it, it's also in the music. See, Absolutely. I remember when that album first came out and yeah. I just never knew there could be something that sounded that way. And yeah. I don't, obviously not just the sound, it's like, it's the way he mixed all these influences and genres. And yeah. the reason yeah. there's something revolutionary about that is it's, it just makes you see that there's all these possibilities and you have no idea that they, they're not there until they exist. It sounds yeah. kind of dumb. Yeah. But, no, um, no. So it gives but, you hope. That doesn't sound dumb at all. That's exactly what I was saying too with Voodoo. Um, it's not as explicitly revolutionary in in the lyrics, right, or in the what the album's trying to say, but the sounds like nothing sounded like Voodoo when Voodoo came out. It was a conglomeration of all these different genres, like you're saying, you know, funk, of of just like a guy who used to go dig for records 
and found all of these different fucking sounds and influences and then added some new shit from people who were his contemporaries who were doing innovative stuff like Jay Dilla, right? Uh, yes. Jay Dilla and D'Angelo both kind of simultaneously came up with that behind the beat sort of drum thing. And that is such a feel nowadays. Like Chris Dave does it all the time. He's one of the best drummers alive right now. And th this is something that like musically did not, was not, it didn't happen until like our lifetimes, you know? It's suddenly the sound that we didn't know existed just exists. Um, so yeah, it, it was absolutely revolutionary. And I, I think it's, it's excellent too. I mean, one of the reasons why I wanted to do this Black Messiah album episode is because it's, it's showing sort of this person who's been revolutionary with their music now also applying the same sort of development, the same sort of revolutionary takes both musically, but now infusing a more explicit revolutionary message in it as well. And I just found that like, like that's development as an artist is to also is, is to allow yourself to sort of uh, uh, develop musically and, and politically and, and just uh, uh, creatively and the kind of liberties that D'Angelo takes on black Messiah. I mean, the kind of risks you would have to take after, knowing that voodoo, for those of you who really don't know, voodoo is to this day, it is like, it's a, it's the platinum fucking standard of Neo soul. Everyone who's come after, uh, pays some kind of tribute or would tell you that this album influenced them. You know, it's the, what's going on. It really is. Um, and, and I was, um, I, I played music with all kinds of musicians and it was an album that even for people not playing soul music or even yep. like rock musicians, yep. it, it, it was a really a game changer. Yeah. Um, it's just an incredible thing. I, I know uh, exactly. It's interesting you brought in what's going on because, mm -hmm. you know, that's an album obviously it was made before I was born, but I I've heard, I've read that, sonically arrangement wise all that musical angles it also was a total revolution so absolutely you know and i think it's it's an amazing album but it's i wonder if that was an album that was both because the lyrics obviously talk about a lot of things i wonder yeah. what it was like to be around when it came out you know it must have... well from what i know about that album too phil um barry gordy was mad as fuck did not want that album. He was ahead of Motown at the time. He was did not want that album released with Motown. He said to Marvin Gaye, uh, I'm, I'm paraphrasing, but something along the lines of, look, Motown's goal is we make big hit music that can be played on the radio. And that it's not explicitly political. It's not this funky, groovy shit. Because you can't play that on the radio. Like, that's... Motown is known for playing radio hits. And what you're doing, Marvin Gaye, is talking about the squalor and the conditions of inner city blues and how you're under oppression, racial oppression, and you're doing it with bongos 
and baseline and stuff that's not explicitly poppy. And it doesn't follow tr- traditional song structure. So what the fuck are you doing? You're going to fuck up my money. And Marvin Gaye said, yeah, fuck that. We're doing it. And to this day, the, the, the irony, <laughs> the fucking irony of it is what's going on for all the great albums. I was talking with Dr. Nono the other day, actually, about this, this exact scenario um, and, and this exact album. And of all the Motown albums, all the great stuff that they ever put out, it's quite possible that what's going on is the greatest thing that they ever put out, period. It's, it's, it's at least in the top five greatest things that this legendary music studio ever produced. It's, it's a triumph. It is a fucking triumph, that album. So goddamn good. I mean, like, t- t- Inner City Blues, fuck. Am I going to do another episode right now <laughs> about what's going on? I mean, look, it's, we'll talk about, maybe we'll have another episode about this. I, I really enjoyed doing this. But y'all, what's going on? If the only song you've heard is, uh, what's going on? Yeah, what's going on? You got to listen to the whole album. The whole fucking album. Oh, mercy, mercy me. Things ain't what they used to be. No, no. And guess what he's talking about? The fucking planet dying. He's talking about like some global warming shit in the 70s. It's, it, go ahead. Uh, there, there were some parts in, so it's like, I will listen to Black Messiah now a lot more because the truth is that I didn't listen to it as much, but you, you got me. I'm going to check it out. But there was some, one of the songs you played that really the lyrics reminded me of uh, Mercy, Mercy Me and yeah. a bunch of the yeah. themes and what's going on. Yeah. But um, it, you know the second probably... track on there? Uh, what's happening, brother? Yes. Yes. And there's there's just lyrics, there's lyrics in there that are just unlike any kind of song lyric. Where yeah. he's just kind of casually yeah. asking things, kind of showing you different images. Yeah. It, it makes yeah. the point hit home. It, it's almost the way some kind of romantic poetry works where they, they show you the way Dylan Thomas. Or, yeah, that, that yeah. album is, is amazing. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a, it's a, you know what? You've you've kind of convinced me. I'm going to do an episode at some point on this album, and just talk about it. You know what? From this point on, Fred Hampton and Sweets is an art podcast. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're we're going to do the politics too, but we're going to have occasional episodes on art just to keep you motherfuckers honest and keep you engaged and fight. Have, have you ever Have you ever heard the song by Mostaf called "Miss Fat Booty"? Yes, it's great. Uh, you, you know, you know where the origin of the beat comes from, like yeah, it's it's it, where it was sampled. It's an Aretha Franklin song. Yeah, okay. And, and I and I and like here's the other weird part. Like when I when I actually discovered it, I wasn't I, I discovered it on YouTube where they had the mashup of the original and it transitions over to the to to Miss Fat Booty, right? And I, I never thought that it had an iteration like that, right? And and it's so interesting how something can be can be created at one point and yeah. then change into something totally different as an expression of someone else's, you know, perception yeah. of, of reality. 
Yeah. Yo, Schnarf, you, you should, if, if you haven't heard, um, Jay Dilla has this record, Donuts. I, I just about to say Jay Dilla. You're on the right page. Phil, go, go take it away. I was literally about to say Dilla. Same guy. Donuts is incredible, and it's just, this dude, well, Jay Dilla is a genius of, of yeah. producing and with samples, right? But yeah. especially on there, he's pulling in all these records, I think, that were from his youth that influenced him. And the songs he constructs with these samples are amazing. But then you'll go back, you, you will you'll find the original records and hear them. And I don't know. It's like you get one album and you end up falling in love with 20. It's really yeah. cool. I, I, I think if you haven't gotten into Dilla yet, uh, Schnarf, I think... No, you I, I've, I've, listened, I've, I've listened to, like, I'm, I'm familiar... I, I have a website that I'm addicted to and I go through these phases where I get stuck on it. It's called Who Sampled It or something like oh, that. Who Sampled. Yeah, yeah, yeah actually yeah. it's Who Sampled. Yeah. And what I'll do is I'll take a song and I'll be like, well, where did this come from, right? Yeah. And what I'll do is I'll dissect all of it. And I and then I end up um there there's there was a there's a um a Jay-Z song where he does it with um he does it with MOP, right? And since I'm from New York, I, I'm like, I can't describe it. it the MOP is like, MOP is for everyone that likes hip hop, but wanted to go like to the mosh pit, right? Just yeah. aggressive, yeah. 100% like, like, I, I don't know. It, it's like, I, I, I met them and I was scared of them to begin with. Like, it's yeah. just. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. but it's, it, it's like, but I, so I took this one song and I said, I wonder where this beat comes from. And yeah. it came from a white lady in San Francisco who fucking wails. I mean, she, the way she sings is insane. And it was a group called Cold Blood. And I, I mean, they're obscure as fuck. But someone like Just Blaze will go find the find that sample, manipulate yeah. it, put it in there. And now I listen to that song. Like I don't, I don't, I don't even care. Like I'll be honest with you. Like I love that 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 ma the the combination of Jay Z and MOP. But fuck that shit because yeah. this lady from Cold Blood, her voice is insane. You you would go on such a fucking rabbit hole with Dilla for that. Dilla like people like that's that's kind of what people. I mean to be honest too, Kanye was very good at this for a long time, but finding random fucking samples, random songs, record diggers. What do they call them? Like crate diggers or something like that. But their whole thing is they go to record stores, they go around, mm. they find these obscure records and play them and look for this parts of, 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 of old forgotten fucking records that they can then use to sample or just to hear to, to, because there's so much fucking music out there. I mean, there's so much music that's been created that we've forgotten probably most of it you know, that's existed, which is wild to think about. But there are those people who are dedicated to going and uncovering, doing basically what you're doing right now. I mean, that's what Dilla was doing. Dilla was going to record stores back where you had to go get the motherfucking LP. You had to go actually to the place uh, pre-internet. And he was mixing these things uh, before digital mixing too. So it's all analog shit. So he's literally, he's cutting up tape to put different parts of different obscure ass fucking records and blend them together to make these beats and repeating them in different ways and just chopping them. like yeah that's fucking cool man 
that's cool. I'm glad you found that. I'm really glad you found that. But that's sick. Um, maybe I'll do an episode on I Dylan. Think, I think that's a part of art. I think I think that's the the contribution of of people from before. You know, and and okay. So so point, and I don't want to like you know get away from it. But one of the one of the one of the ideas, if you're if you believe in 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 a more philosophical aspect of socialism, is that nothing exists in a vacuum, right? Mm-hmm. That we're all interconnected, and that the contributions of the past they right work their they way build. into right. contributions of the now. You know what I'm saying? Right. Right. I mean, that's what that's what that's what the human race does best. Honestly is we, I mean, look, I'm speaking in, what the fuck is this? You know, it's a microphone with a wire. How the fuck did we figure that out? Surprise, we don't need to because a bunch of people before figured out the mechanics of it. And now we can just read a book and reconstruct it. And we know, you know, like a certain, like there's something like so many inventions and shit, dude, would, it absolutely makes no sense how people like came up with this shit. Like how do people come up with speakers by realizing that if they vibrated certain materials at certain frequencies that they would reproduce sounds. What the fuck are you talking about? Like, if you tell me that shit just in like in isolation, I'm going to fucking think you need to go to a mental hospital or something. Right. It doesn't even make sense. Like what the fuck are you vibrations? What traveling through air? What the fuck is a radio wave? What the, what are you talking about? There's spectrums of like, waves that we can't see and we can have information travel through them are you fucking high but that's <laughs> you know, you know that it's insane. crazy it doesn't that's, make any an ins- insane clown posse song for- <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> that's right where they're I'm like fucking magnets. fucking magnets how do they work yeah. but they're right miracles happening everywhere you know what's funny though they're correct <laughs> like they're they're i, I I've never listened to the Insane Clown Posse. You know what? There, there's parts that are not bad. Honestly, I'm gonna be honest. Like, it's not for me. But um, yeah, it's yeah. I, I think, you're not missing much. Yeah, that song is kind of fun. And the the vibes seem fun. Like a concert does seem fun. Um, I'll uh, say unrelated. This. What What are your thoughts on Afro Man? Uh, you know, I I only really know because I got high. I don't really know the rest. You, of You've his. never heard like the rest of his shit. Not really. Okay, so not like not for nothing. There's a lot of filth and a lot of nasty shit that comes out of Afro Man. I I, I greatly appreciate it. it, it it's <laughs> profane. There was okay. another singer a long time ago named Blowfly. Mm. Have you ever heard of Blowfly? I remember Blowfly. Yeah, it's been a long. Where Blowfly is when doves when doves come and. All sorts of fucking filthy shit. But there's a whole genre of these kind of like I don't know what you call them. They're they're musicians, but and and they're sort of rappers. Yeah. They talk a lot of nasty shit. <laughs> I've yeah. always been a fan. Like I think that's a genre by itself that's kind of weird and and, and, and mutant like. Yeah. It's fun though. If you like you like what you like. I think the closest I've gotten to like ICP and blow blowfly. Less Blowfly, maybe closer to Afro Man in some ways, is Tech Nine. I am a Tech Nine fan. I, I very much like Tech Nine. Because um, he's from Kansas City, Missouri, and he just, he's someone who has a lot of fun with his music. You can just tell with some of the songs he's recorded, they're so fucking wild and weird. 
he has a whole song called Areola. And the whole course is, it's, it's it, it, the Areola referring to like the Areola of the breast, right? Of a titty, <laughs> which is the dark space around the, the nipple. The I areola. am familiar with the Areola. Okay. Just, just so we're clear, everybody, I know what an Areola is. But the whole course to the song is just him and a bunch of his boys in the studio going, who Areola, who Areola. <laughs> but it's so fun. Like, if you're at a concert, I just think of that. Like, see, that's something. It doesn't, doesn't need to have a deep artistic meaning, even though he's a good rapper. He's a very good rapper. Like, technically, he can do a lot of stuff. He fucks with his flow a lot. He's, he's really talented. He can go real fast, raps backwards, does all kinds of crazy shit. And it's good. And his rhymes are good. Um, so it's more of like, I like the technical aspect of what he's doing. But also, like, man, like, if you can't go to a concert and have fucking fun, just jumping up in the air with all these fans screaming, Ariola! <laughs> like, then you're missing out on life, man. That's fucking fun. That's funny. Just to be stupid with a bunch of people, just in whatever, you know, everyone like those are the things that I I want people to enjoy more and and, and like find find the space to have that kind of fun. And, you know, someone like Tech Nine, he does have some profound raps. He has a lot of raps, too, with some a lot of uh, there's there's content behind there. But it's not always that sometimes the motherfucker just want to bust. He has a whole song called Einstein, which is about like it's it's just a, he's just talking random shit. But the the beat, I don't know if the beat is made from like just it's made from people just saying Einstein's name, like it's so silly. But that shit gets me so fucking hype every time I hear it, and I can't I can't explain it. You know, he's just that chasing I've the never, energy. I've never heard. He's just chasing it. He's chasing the energy of the music with with the Einstein, and and it, it's real bouncy, and it's like he even uh, kind of um, uh, what's that song from um, from fucking uh, the Wizard of Oz? All we owe, we owe her. Like whatever. When the I forget, like some kind of they have some uh, like crow slaves or something. It's been a while since I've seen. Wizard of Oz, but like they're singing that weird song, and he he incorporates that into Einstein with like Casey Mo Roll, and it's got I I don't fucking get it, I really don't get it, but I love it, and the energy, like it's undeniable to feel like the energy when he's building up. He's got this part that's like where the party people night and day, living crazy is the only way. Get you where I got you, so I'm on it. Acting like you motherfuckers want it. Who's got this motherfucking house on lock? Einstein. What? What? Tech nine. Dwayne. It's like, what the fuck are you saying? What are you saying? But it's awesome. It fucking slaps. And it makes me jump every time. Like, I can't help it. It's, I think, like, art is that too. You know, art is, is just a complete creative exercise. I, I think... I think we wouldn't have such a problem in this world with, with what seems like meaningless art if it didn't seem like there was so much desperation for us to do something more meaningful because we're leaving, living in a system which incentivizes and wants us to, to, to 
just consume and keep having those feelings of meaninglessness to continue to consume, to continue to contribute to capitalism. I think in an ideal world, meaningless art would be valuable, would be fun, because sometimes I don't have a lot to say, but I can say it in a really fun way. You know, Blowfly, um, whatever that song is, like when doves come, that's great. <laughs> it's very funny. Like we should be able to do that. Now, is that going to fucking cause a revolution? I mean, it'd be fucking hilarious if we all stormed the Capitol with shirts of doves coming and like attacking the cops by jerking off a little dove and making it come in the cop's eye and go, ah, oh, I can't, well, I can't see the revolution succeeded, you know, but like, that's, I don't know. I, 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 I guess when it comes to like cynicism and art, I'm, I'm trying to see less and less of it there and trying to just see like the only, the only place I still really have cynicism is when something is just like, it's just tailor-made, irredeemable to be as soulless as possible to just play in as many places as possible, and it's hard for me to see past that. Um, I think, I think, like after the pandemic, there's a lot of that, and I think where yeah. where that really comes out of is is where you would expect it to, right? Which is the House of Mouse, yeah, Disney, it, all, like all the Star Wars the Marvel stuff, it had this dark undertone to it, right? Like it can't get darker than Daredevil and Luke Cage and Jessica um, Jessica Jones and all this other shit. Yeah. Like it had, yeah. And even a Punisher. Like this stuff is profoundly dark. It comes from a sad, yeah. gre- like a like, real horrible place. Yeah. And then what you have is She-Hulk and the, yeah. the comedy-driven aspects of um of thor and like it just it, it it lost its it's it lost its way and now what you have is is a is literally a show about absolutely nothing yeah with yeah. a with a with a being that has cosmic powers yeah reduced to just being <laughs> a lawyer <laughs> yeah exactly she's no lawyer. but like you know what i'm saying like she yeah. she's just there's nothing there, and then it, it's so bad that even even the curtains lifted up, and she then discusses it with the with the with the writers of the show. Really, that's how bad it's gotten. And and, and you know, to speak about like Hampton, right? The movie yeah. itself, Judas and the Black Messiah. I think I'm still I'm still conflated whether it's a good movie or whether it's yeah. a psyop. Yeah. It's, 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 it's it, honestly, when it comes to anything Black Panthers or Fred Hampton, it's hard to tell. Or shit, even with like this, this CIA files shit going on right now with apparently they're admitting to killing JFK or something like that. I don't know. I haven't been following it as closely, but it's, I don't, it's, it's hard to tell, man. It's honestly hard to tell. Did you ever see this show called Damnation? It was on USA. I don't think I did. No. So, um, it, it was a show about a, a preacher who who shows up to town and helps unionize these farmers against the the big business interest that was exploiting them, right? And I, what what okay. it, it 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 only made it to one season. But my question is, is how did it even get to one season? Because that show is is just very anti 
establishment, very anti-capital. It, it, it didn't. It, it was weird, as if like I, I don't. I don't know if that was a psyop as well to to like make yeah. you feel like you could trust the medium of television and and artistic shit, or maybe they didn't catch it soon enough, or they ran out of content and they said, "Let's go with this thing." Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's. We've talked about this before, but the show, um, The Boys, sometimes gives me that feeling because it's on Amazon. But there's a lot of like actual good. There's some good critiques of. It, you know, it's not as revolutionary as what this show Damnation sounds like. or But there's some good critiques of capitalism, some really good critiques of capitalism, of corporate culture. There's good critiques of identity politics. There's good, Very there's much good so. critiques of, of yeah. blind adherence on the part of conservatives. Yeah, sure. it's, 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 it's all there. It definitely it's is. It's all really there. And, and, and I, I, I look at that and I, I see myself being like, there's part of me that feels like soothed by that or like, yes, this is interesting. But also, like, how the fuck did this, how did this break through? Like, who okayed this at fucking Amazon? But maybe they're like, well, as long as it still makes us money, they don't think it's going to cause an actual revolution. So fuck them. Yeah, make us some money. Go make money with your anti-capitalist art. Um, no, it's interesting. It's it's interesting. But um, I don't think Black Messiah is a psyop. And if it's a psyop, fucking sign me up for the op, baby. I am pilled on it. I, I uh, and I, I don't know. I'm, I'm glad I could share that with people tonight. At some point, I guess I should go soon. But um, I would like to do another episode about about art, Phil. I like the idea of doing what's going on for sure. Um, but I don't know. I, you know, I've, I've said what I have to say about like the art about how I think it's important um, and how I hope, I don't know, this was fun. This was a lot more fun too than I I thought it was going to be, but damn, I could dork out on this shit to like fucking ever. Um, because we're so miserable. That's the truth. <laughs> like everything, we, no, no, I'm dead ass. It's true, yeah, yeah. I'm dead ass. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If, if you think about it, we, 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 we draw ourselves into this kind of miserable canyon where we're, okay, so earlier today there was a discussion, and I I don't know if uh, the people that were nope they're not here. So there was a person that was asking me questions, and and we, mm-hmm. we came to this we came to this very weird situation. I don't think you've encountered this guy yet. There's a guy by the name of Chardol, and Chardol is a 26 year old virgin who keeps calling who keeps finding my call ins and wants to get advice on losing his virginity. And you're, you have a very straight face. You should be laughing because why, why, why would you ask me when, when I'm clearly trying to have a political discussion about how you should lose your virginity, right? Yeah, Anyways, okay. So we we had we had this discussion, and it it, be, it it sort of turned into this that anything that there is this idea that somehow we are not like him. In, in effect with our with our desires for a political project right 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 and what what i what i what i think the discussion was was he he clearly can do a million different things to meet somebody and, or have a relationship or get later or, or at least transcend the 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 very low bar of talking to a woman or or maybe even i don't know buying some right. used panties anything is better than the status quo right 
Yeah. But yeah. he doesn't well, take any action. And I don't think that's the case with what we're what, what was what's happening with us on the so-called left, right? Yeah. We don't have like he physically has money, he has a vehicle, he has the ability to plug into um dating apps, he can go to uh, a game night, he can go to a whorehouse, he could do a multitude of different things. He chooses not to. I think with us on the left, if our aspiration, let's say our proverbial promised land is to have a political project, it's not that we don't have the means, but we literally don't have the muscle. We don't have the the, the roadmap. We have no vehicle. We have no money. We have nothing. This yeah. project is so fucking ripped out from 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 the imagination of our discontent. And that's where it is. And it sits there, right? I think the psyop that, 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 that surrounds it is what keeps it in our, as, a, as, as just discontent and frustration in like yeah. a bubble or a cocoon, and it never moves. But we're not him. And people keep saying, well, when are you going to organize? When are you going to do this? And when you, like, the truth is, is that there's no muscles, for us to stand up. There's no car for us to drive. There's no uh, bank account to, 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 to charge uh, yeah, a drink yeah. on, you know, like there's, yeah. there's nothing there. There's no, there's no means of, of getting to the promised land. So what the desire is there, like the he doesn't have the desire of getting laid. He's, he's too afraid, but we have a desire for having a political project. I don't know if I don't know if it's as different. Well, it is in some ways, but but I think we could start. Like we may not have the money or the resources or the infrastructure, as you put it, the muscle right now, but we could be making moves to plant the seed that will grow into that, and intentional moves to do that too. In the same way that maybe he won't be able to. Uh, I don't know, like go directly to a whorehouse or even like talk to someone. I told him to fly Maybe. to Curacao. I told him to fly to Curacao and go to the world's largest whorehouse where you can procure sex for $25. I said, it's a lot more guaranteed. He still wouldn't do it. So I like, I, I get it. He That's too big. What's his seed? What's his seed? Maybe his seed is, um, talk to, uh, I don't know, like get a coffee from a cashier that you think is cute. Don't even ask her anything. Don't do anything. Just go get a coffee, buy a coffee from the cashier. Don't even mention you like her. Don't even mention anything else. Just whatever the first barrier is of you having to talk to someone or whatever. Don't even talk to her with like sex or anything else in the back of your mind as far as like, that's what you're going to do. This is only a one-time trend or interaction and it's purely transactional. Just order a coffee. Maybe that's the seed, you know. But but we have and that seed. I think I think we kind of have that seed. But but yeah. what's interesting? What's interesting is this. So last night, I don't know. This has been on my mind, and I don't know if, what your take on it is. Right? This is the most mindless and pointless discussion that I've that I've observed. Mm. Last night I was watching Katie Halper, and and she was having a discussion with. I don't know who she was discussing this with. I, I don't remember exactly. But she goes, oh, but they're Trotskyists. And I'm like, yeah. what? Does what? That mean? 
What the what the fuck does that mean? One, I I don't I don't think you're like I mean I've read the writings of 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 Leon Trotsky and I know what what she, what, what the intention is, but that's like eight hundred years ago, and whoever espouses to be a Trotskyist has no connection to that because people aren't interested in that, right? It's a label. It doesn't mean anything. But right. the, 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 the funny part is, is the only person in the entire United States to have a political office that claims to be a socialist is Sharma Sawant. And her party yeah. happens to be a Trotskyist party, from what my understanding is. And you should know because you're in the reading group. I don't know if they ever bring up this point but the idea is is that they're in a constant state of revolution and the other aspect of it is is that you're you shouldn't be in a constant aspect of revolution and i'm thinking to myself what the fuck does that mean to people that are looking to improve their material condition now it means nothing like yes. it's a complete distraction yes it's so fucking bizarre that we would sit down and waste oxygen on yes. this absolutely right? i agree uh, but you know who I, wants it you know who wants that um, of the, the system as it currently exists. I don't even think it's the system wants. that wants it. I think, I think it's, it, it, there, there's a, there's a tendency of, on, on people to want to watch the celebrity death match. And then we create these kinds of weird divisions. We yeah. come up with, with false enemies and then we waste our time arguing about that shit. Right? Yeah. Meanwhile, no one understands what the difference between, between whatever the hell position Miss Halper has and whatever position a quote-unquote Trotskyist has. Yeah. And uh, the reality is, too, the, the irony, I guess, is that they really don't need to understand that difference, at least not at this stage, right? That's what's... It has no bearing. It has, has no, no bearing. We have no project. We, we can get caught up in these weird philosophical sort of esoteric debates over nothing. And it, you know, we, we're still getting fucked in our ass by a capitalist class and by capitalism. And eventually, you know, no amount of debating is going to change the fact that I have a huge fucking dick in my ass. Like, you know, like that's, that's, <laughs> that's what's happening though. And that's, we can't divorce ourselves from that. Um, and the only way a dick's going in my ass is if I, I ask the person there and then there's consent, right? Like not this fucking bullshit happening with what we're under. And I think, Sharf, one of the reasons why I really, again, why I really like art and why I really like, want, want to say that these things are useful is because they, they cut through a lot of the analysis of things. You know, I could sit here and I can analyze D'Angelo or something all day and think about it and be like, wow, that's really great. But the feeling that you get in your gut, it could be very direct. It could be straight from like the art, you see it, you, you observe it, and it impacts you. And you just feel the vibes of it. You don't need to feel, you don't need to know the, the, what dialectical materialism is, even though we, you know, as a project for a revolution, have, do need to constantly be trying to make sure people know more and more and more. That they that they are better educated, better able to analyze their situation. But that being but, but said, is that, is that what Miss Halper is doing? No, no, that's not what they're doing at all. That's not. There, as a matter of fact, a lot of the times, what happens in those debates, and I, I'm not saying Katie Halper generally. I'm just saying in the example that you gave me, because honestly, I don't really, I'm, I'm not really familiar too much with Katie Halper. I think I have seen some of her stand up. I thought it was pretty good. I thought she's funny. Um, 
Uh, but I don't really watch her political content, so I can't really comment too much on it. But um, I will say that the example that you gave me is complete esoteric sort of uh, conflict. Oh, you're a Trotskyist. We can't get along with none of the education. It's just jargon at that point. And when it's it's like me putting out a legal term or something like it's like me saying, oh, that's an unconscionability and duress. Good night. And the difference between unconscionability is not duress. If you don't know shit about anything about the difference between those two and I don't explain it, then um, what's the fucking point of the conversation? What's the point of the argument? In fact, we're but just no one. No one asked for that definition either. Sure. Sure. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, and Phil, see ya. Uh, thank you for coming. Really enjoyed all of your contributions musically too. Great taste. Absolutely fantastic taste in music, man. Um, so who's next on your schedule? On the schedule? I mean, I for the episodes that I want to do, I want to do an episode with my therapist because I think that'd be fun. <laughs> 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 but other than that, man, like... Um, what I really want to get back to as well, I want to do another episode with Rika about how you uh, actually negotiate union contracts. I want to do, I've been talking a lot more with her and I got another friend who I'm doing this, hopefully this YouTube shit with, which you're supposed to be involved with. So we'll, I'll, we'll keep talking on that, but um, we're doing an episode about uh, what we want to do more practical stuff. So I'd like to have a lot of these shows be uh, we're going to tell you practically how to do the thing that you've been wanting to do, Uh, whether that's organizing union, whether that's like fucking any other process that we can like break down. We want to give step by step instructions so people can come back to it and figure that out. Um, And then other than that, just the same thing when when I want to talk about or when we feel like we need to talk about something that's happening politically. Can, can I give can I give a suggestion for a basic for a basic first step to yeah. to organizing? Yes. No workplace that I've ever worked in that has the potential to be organized is going to hide their 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 wages from from each other. That's yeah. the first step, right? Is, the yeah. first step to understanding how to bargain is to have a baseline. Yeah. And I don't think I don't think this is a Marxist principle. It's not a fucking philosophical one. It's a very simple one. There yeah. is a very big stigma against sharing salary information, right? right? So people won't say, "Hey, listen, I get paid X amount and, you know, how much do you get paid?" Yeah. They won't do that. That is the divide and conquer in the workplace. Now, that's true for yeah. retail like it's true for a retail location where you have workers who are clerks or, or, or they work the, the shop or whatever it is, and then they keep them separated. One person, let's say, works at $10 an hour and works right. 40 hours a week, and the other person gets paid more, right. and they right. only work, let's say, 15 hours. Right. 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 Yeah, that's, that's information that everyone should have when beginning your organizing, because that's when you figure out who's getting like, it shatters the illusion of um, the capitalist paying you your value, right? 
they pay you the least amount that they could get away with paying you. And then you can all have leverage to to go against them. Um, I'm going to take Jemai Miles' call real quick, and then I have to go to bed. <laughs> I still have to go to work. Um, but uh, Jamal, go ahead and uh, unmute yourself. You're on the Fred Hampton Inn Suites with Schnarf. <laughs> yes. Well, you you are in luck, sir. I just had um, I I forgot I was calling in. Uh, <laughs> I just had <laughs> I had one quick joke. When you uh, said you wanted to get your therapist on the show, I oh sure, go for popped, it. Yeah, I immediately popped off and was like, dude, your therapist has been talking about doctor patient confidentiality. For 20 years, every <laughs> session with you and every other patient, just to be able to say no to requests like that. <laughs> but I said it immediately, as soon as you said it. It was very witty. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's very true. You know, it's funny. Maybe I have a shitty therapist then because he's, he's like, yeah, I'll do it. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I, hey, dude. Well, I'll, I'll 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 give you the outline of what we're gonna do and stuff like that too. But he's um he's cool though. Yeah, he's, I, he's pretty. Cool. It sounds like no, it sounds great, man. It's it's hard to find a good therapist. I've got yeah. free healthcare from the VA. It still took me like six years to find someone I liked. Yeah, finding someone you like and someone you can trust is very important. And congratulations. No, um, yeah. Yeah. I just wanted to make one shitty joke and say it was very fun to wander into a random show and have a good time. Thank you so much. Yeah. Well, thanks for, for calling in. That's so sweet of you to say, and, um, you know, hope to see you back. And, uh, honestly, not a shitty joke. Pretty funny. I like it. Uh, you know. uh, yeah, no, I meant, uh, I meant quick and efficient. Yeah, <laughs> well, they, exactly. Have a good they, night. Perfect I will punch. subscribe. We'll talk more later. Okay. Sounds good, Jamal. Thank you. Awesome, nice, cool. I think this is a good way to end it. What do you think, Schnarf? Because if I keep talking, you're gonna get me down one of the fucking rabbit holes that we go down. <laughs> no, no, take dead, kill it. Okay. Just, All right, y'all. Uh, go ahead. Have a good night. Yeah, good night, man. Um, thank you all for coming out. Uh, hope you learned a little something about D'Angelo, if nothing else. Uh, I hope that you leave this with some value for just art generally. Dude, if you like if you like something and you're really feeling it, you're only alive for so long. Feel that. Feel it. Be in it. Don't just be in it. And look, someone like D'Angelo, who wasn't always overtly political, can take a 14 and a half year break and come back with what may be his magnus opus or magnum opus, whatever you say, whatever the term is, his his big enchilada. Let's call it that. And the kind of creativity that he's able to develop in that time, the kind of uh, insight into the conditions that we're living under, uh, and being able to say something new, both musically and lyrically, it's that's revolutionary. And that's, that's part of what makes human beings so badass, is our ability to create shit. Our ability to just, no matter what the bounds are around us, we just, just create, just do something different. And don't let the system that you're in or 
the circumstances you find yourself in. I know it's hard. Like, obviously, they rob us of a lot. But don't let it rob you of joy. Don't let it rob you of creativity or just the urge to create anything. I make art all the time. Most of it sucks. I don't care. I love it. I fucking love it. It's the best. It's the best. Maybe one day I'll share it. Who knows? But do it and feel it. And let's acknowledge the the, the revolutionary power that art can have. And, you know, use it. Use it. Um, you know what? One of these days, I'm also going to do an episode on John Denver, baby. On John Denver. You thought I was just D'Angelo? No, bitch. John Denver, too. I'm into all that shit. You must have forgot. You must have forgot who my mama is. Okay, come here. Um, we're going to play it out on the prayer. We're bringing it back one more time. To D'Angelo, this is D'Angelo on the Black Messiah album. Once again, this is prayer. Have a good night.
Believe that love, baby. Believe that love. That's it. so much coming out see you next week happy holidays and all that shit happy holidays merry christmas happy hanukkah shnarf happy kwanzaa <laughs> all right peace out everybody take care